Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Join me for the ultimate Team Mom deep dive. This is more than just a recap show. I'll scour the internet to bring you all the best drama that MTV didn't air. From police reports to deleted tweets, I've got the details on all the fights, breakups, and arrests of our favorite MTV train wrecks. If you think the moms bring the drama on TV, just wait until you hear what really happened. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hi guys, welcome back to Feathers in My Hair. Okay, so as I was contemplating last week, I'm having a lot of trouble with the new season of OG and Princess, who is here today. Hi, Princess. Hi. Actually had the brilliant idea that maybe I could do like one-on-one off and that way I not one on one off as in you won't have a podcast, but one week I do in uh, like a throwback episode and the next week I do the current episodes. That way I would have two episodes to talk about each week, which I think would really help. I thought that was genius. I asked princess to come on just so you guys know a heads up. You're actually going to get two vintage episodes. I've already recorded because next week is a holiday weekend and I'm going away because thank God I like casually said to my boss, I was like, do you think we're going to close the office on July 5th? (laughs) And he was like, yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but that's a good idea. We'll do that. So I'm getting out of town. I'm going to go down the shore and um, I record in advance, but then I'll come back and I'll, if not do a detailed recap of three episodes, I'll at least talk about the three episodes. I think that's the best way to save my sanity to make this podcast worth doing and fun. And so Princess suggested this to me. I was like, oh, great. So that means you get to come on this week. <laughs> well, well, remember, I also was like, listen, I'm a hypocrite, but <laughs> I promise you'll be less bored if you're actually talking to someone. And right. like, I understand why, because I don't really have a lot of guests on my show because I like to record like in the middle of the night, like odd hours. I'm just like, oh, fuck it. I'll start recording. And so it's hard yeah. to. Um, it's, yeah. it's that. It's like, yeah, it's. I mean, from my own standpoint, I feel like <laughs> my audio is always better if I don't have a guest. Sure. So I don't want to do every weekend with like, mm, the audio is like not perfect. Like when I'm on my own, I think the audio sounds great and like crystal clear. And when I have a guest, it's just not as good. Um, I know some people prefer guestless episodes, you know, so I don't want to yeah. do a guest every week. And like you said, like, I like to be able to, I usually record Friday or Saturday. (laughs) And if I'm not in the mood on Friday, I want to be able to do it on Saturday. And it's just, it's hard to schedule guests every week for just the reason of like, I just don't want to have to do it. I want to be able to do this on my own time, but you're right. It's absolutely easier when I have a guest to talk, even to talk about the new episodes. But I was like, let me see what this new episode is like. I got like 10 messages that was like, this week sucked. So we decided by we, I mean, I told Princess what we were going to watch was Teen Mom. We're not calling, it's not Teen Mom OG. It's Teen Mom, Teen Mom season one, episode one. And what I, a big realization for me, I think it's good for me to watch these episodes because I, I really have not watched them in years. But what I realized is like, I think Teen Mom 2 is just always a substantially better show. Yes always what I cared about more. The whole reason I got into the drama was because of Janelle, like the internet drama was because of Janelle. I just like Teen Mom, one Teen Mom is just not as good of a show. The girls are not as compelling. The drama's not as compelling. This episode was definitely interesting to watch, but it wasn't like high drama at all. Right. 
because think about it when they chose the teen mom og girls mm-hmm. they just they were just choosing like from what they had but they had a lot more crazy shit happen later on in 16 and present and 16 yeah. and well yeah you're, you're absolutely right so they picked you know God only knows how many applications they actually got for a first season of 16 Pregnant. I think at that point they were still trying to get like a, like obviously they were going for drama and they wanted dramatic and they wanted all of that, but I, they weren't planning a long-term series behind the girls that they picked. Mm -hmm. And the way that they cast Teen Mom was, I guess there was, there was only six episodes in 16 Pregnant season one and they asked them all to join and Whitney declined because her son had health issues. I wonder what's going on with Whitney these days. And Ebony declined because she was uh, living on base. And it just like, wasn't possible. That's So when we think about Janelle today, Janelle is the first teen mom on camera to lose her children. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, too. But Ebony lost her kids because remember, somebody called CPS on them. They had dog shit everywhere. Oh, they had like, human feces everywhere, too. Human I feces. Is, I'm sure they were going to say it's the babies. I'm sure Ebony was not taking a shit in the living room. <laughs> but even, and then also remember, her mother-in-law didn't think that baby was her son's because the baby was too dark. Oh, remember? So oh, if we, if, if Ebony and her husband had had the wherewithal to move the fuck off base and record this... That first season of Team Mom OG would have been wild. Yeah. And it definitely gets a little more wild, obviously, with Gary and Amber ramping it up. Um, fair. And I think, honestly, I think the drag down on this episode was definitely Macy and Ryan. And yeah. I think also the way they shot this season. I think, especially when you think about Team Mom 2 Season 1, Episode 1, which involves Janelle and Barbara getting into a physical fight. Um, you, they just, there just wasn't, I don't think they came in hot with the high drama on, maybe on purpose in episode one. I think there were still, it was a brand new show. You know what I mean? Like sure. the reality is the pilot is rarely ever the best episode of anything. It's ever. never, the pilot is always trash. Uh, always. I would say, except the only scripted pilot that's amazing is one is lost and two is Mad Men. Mad Men has an amazing shows. fucking pilot. Um, but in general, the pilot is not very good, I would say, especially on a reality TV show where they weren't really sure exactly what they were doing or where they were going. Because I would say Teen Mom is a pretty unique show, especially if you remember this is 2010. Like, I'm not 2009. sure what... 2009. I'm not sure what other reality show at the time followed real teenagers. None. And they chose Macy because she was pretty. And Macy and Ryan both, I mean... They're relatable. They're relatable. They come from like upper middle class. Like they they don't have a problem paying for things. They're a popular high school couple that everybody like. They're the popular kids. Farah, another very pretty person. Kate and Tyler had that story. Yeah. Um, And Amber was the kind of the spark of everything for teen, for pregnant. So. Yeah. So it definitely, I think that, you know, it picks up. I would say the most compelling to watch for me was, well, Okay, if I'm not thinking of like what I know now, I would say off the bat, the most compelling is obviously Caitlin and Tyler. Like when Butch rolls up in that van, you're like, oh shit, like what is this family? It's just, it's it's very much like shirks all those poverty porn things. You know what I mean? Like, but I would then looking back to me, 
the most interesting this episode was definitely Farah because I yes. think in our heads and I, if you go back, me and Molly McAleer did a 16 and pregnant, like did Farah 16 and pregnant. And I know I said this when I did that episode, I'm always shocked when I watch her early seasons at how awful she already is. Cause in my head, I kind of have misremembered her as being like pretty normal and then like fame and the porn and like being a teen mom, like got to her and then she became awful. But you watch these, the season one, episode one, you're like, you are a bitch. Well, so I, about two years ago, I rewatched every teen mom episode mm-hmm. from OG and two. And so I remember these episodes very clearly. And the thing that struck me the most about Farah is one, how pretty she was. Pretty. Very pretty. Like she, she was the hottest shit in her high school. I guarantee you. I guarantee you she was yes, one of the hottest. Not what you would call exotic. Yes. Look. Back in 2009, people were definitely like, oh, girl, you're so exotic. <laughs> she was definitely an example of, like, using the word exotic because, you know, she was a quarter Lebanese, so she's, yeah. like, just enough to look, like, a little different than everybody else around her, but, like, still very white. Like, you know. Yeah, just enough to get a tan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dark features, like, a little bit of a bigger nose, but in a very flattering to her face way. Incredibly skinny. Um, but, so I watched these episodes, and, like, I, when, when I watched them two years ago, I was like, yeah, that's Farah. And I think the next episode, Farah is in a room full of like men that just, they look like Iranian businessmen. I, I don't know what they are. Like they're, they're people they picked up at a club and they're just like, hey, you want to do, you know, you hanging out, you want to drink? Oh, you have a kid? Where's your kid? Like, and I was just like, oh my God, this is what I think Farah's doing right now. I think she's in a room full of, Iranian businessmen. <laughs> um, I I can literally tell you right now, Farah is in Dubai. In a, with Iranian businessmen? <laughs> with some sort of Middle Eastern businessman, I'm guessing. Um, because, you know, she's not, she's there. F- to put it politely, Farah's in Dubai to work. Don't put it politely. Um, apparently, Farah is, uh, I want to say high class. Because if yeah. you go to Dubai, I feel like you're top tier. (laughs) I think, I think that's a fair assessment that she's a high class escort. Yeah. She's a high class sex worker. Um, the type that you like fly in and you pay for them to live in like a really nice area. You give them tens of thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. You're allowed to do things with them. You're allowed to take them, that sort of thing. Now I only know this from the internet. I have not seen anything like Farrah isn't gone live and been like, Hey guys, I'm at work doing my prostitution thing. (laughs) So So she did talk about it on one podcast. She said something, I don't know the quote off the top of my head, but she said something about like, yeah, if I can make $20,000, like in a couple nights, like that's what I do. Well, that's less than I thought she was getting. So, okay. Like I, but it was, you know what I'm basically saying? Like, yeah, I can fuck a guy for a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, and Honestly, I hate when we talk about Farah and people think we're sex shaming her. I'm not sex shaming Farah. It's not that. I think Farah's a horrible person. And I think Farah hates doing porn. And yeah. hates doing sex. She, hates, she it. hates it. She never owns her shit. She talks about it flippantly, but if you talk about it, then she's like, oh, I'm a businesswoman and a mom. And yeah. I'm just like, okay, Farah. But yeah, she hates it. Thankfully, um, Sophia's not with her on this trip. Sophia, I guess, is with Deb for a while which is like 
Yeah, yeah. The doctor, whatever his name is? Yeah, doctor. What's his name? Dr. Dave. Yeah. Uh, but so my thing is, it's like, look, call me old fashioned, whatever. I'm a person that's like, I'm for sex work being made safe. However you do that, I'm for sex workers not being shamed, but I'm also not a person that believes it's a job like any other job. I've had a lot of up close and personal experience with sex workers because Mm -hmm. active addiction, as you and I have talked about, that's how you make women make money in active addiction. And I think that I and probably most women in recovery that talk to other women, I probably know a lot more sex workers than the average listener of this podcast. Mm-hmm. And that's from camming to stripping to like full service walking the streets of a bad neighbor prostituting. Actually, probably the one thing I don't have experience with is like high class, like the type of work fair is doing. Sure. But I have experience with like 98% of the sex work industry, let's say. Um, and the, I think the reality is, is that most women that do it, it's not empowering. It does not feel good. It's degrading. It's extremely unsafe, like extremely unsafe. Your risks of being raped or murdered are like a million times higher if you're Mm -hmm. a full service sex worker. And it's not, you know, even I can't imagine that Farah who was raised as we see in this episode to be like an extremely conservative home. Um, I probably heard every weekend in church about how, you know, women are whores and having sex out of wedlock makes you a whore. And now she can talk this big game, like you said, but I think Vera takes a lot of drugs and drinks a lot of alcohol and that's how she deals with it. And she doesn't seem like somebody who is living an empowered life. She seems like someone that has, a lot of untreated mental illness who's doing what she needs to do to maintain a, a lifestyle that's unsustainable. You know, she's Absolutely. like, yeah. she, she lives a, the lifestyle of someone that's making millions of dollars a year, which she, I would assume does not have the ability to make unless she's doing this type of job. And I can't imagine like how awful that feels for her. And I'm not saying that in like a, she should be ashamed for doing sex work, but I just think it's very clear that this is not something that's empowering for her. And I'm, I know there are sex workers that are empowered by it, but my personal <laughs> belief is that they're in the minority. They're maybe a loud minority, but from what I see, a lot of sex workers are drug addicts or they're doing it as an, the only way to survive and get by in this world. And it does, it seems like fair, in my opinion, maybe falls into the kind of a little bit of both, you know, she obviously could scale down her living and be work a job, but she doesn't want to do that because she's had this taste of fame and money. And it's extremely hard to go backwards. What kind of job do you think Farrah could get? Like real estate agent? Like what kind of job do you see Farrah do? I I don't know because I think, I think a pre-porn Farrah could have done like a Bristol Palin type of thing, you know, and transitioned into a real estate. I think that she, I think like she is a hard worker. I don't think she's a smart worker necessarily. I think she makes a lot of stupid decisions in this, like this, this idea that she needs to be an entrepreneur boss, babe. But I think she could have been, I could, so a pre like public porn, because let's be honest, like we live in a society that does like cast a stigma on you. Like it does change things. And if Teen Mom had not gone off the air and it had just gone a few more seasons and then she like transitioned to like a more normal adult life, like I could totally see Farah in a corporate job. 
and like doing well and working 80 hours a week and like being a really fucking hard worker, like whether that be sales or finances, something. Sales. Yeah. But not now. But not now, unfortunately. And I also think that she's like done legitimate damage to her brain. Like, or damage has been done via trauma or whatever in that she like, I don't think she could work for a boss because I think she's like too deranged. Also remember that a lot of this comes from Deb and I'm not just talking about the trauma. Deb was, is, is boss bitch. That's the type of thing that Deb, yeah. I shouldn't say bitch, but she was in real estate. She was buying houses and trying to flip them across the street. That's how Farrah ended up living there mm-hmm. after the fight. Cause they owned that house. Yeah. Uh, they're, like, I can totally hear Deb at the dinner table going, you can't work for anybody because you're just, work- you're just paying their bills. You got to work for yourself. Oh, never pay rent because then you're just paying someone else's bills. You always have to have your own house. Yeah, 100% that mentality. So you get that combined with the fact that I've been living a certain lifestyle um, and that I also am a, honestly, just a fucking terrible person. Yeah, that too. A terrible fucking person. Whether or not I was on drugs or whatever, I'm just one of those people that's incredibly disagreeable. But here's the other thing. I think Farah isn't incredibly disagreeable all the time. I remember when she got fired and Morgan comes over and she comes to the door, she's like, hey, oh my hair is wet. That's the fairy you get sometimes. And I bet that's the fairy you get if you, like, if she's a waitress at your restaurant. Oh, yeah, for sure. And so, and that's one of the things I find so disgusting about Farah is that Morgan shows up and she knows he's a very important person coming to see her and she's mm-hmm. that but the PA that's like hey we can't just fire the, the onset teacher today because we want to have another one gets spit on like I don't like that about somebody I, I yeah I think that's incredibly accurate I wanted to make one other point that I don't know if we discuss enough but we do talk about like the vulnerability of all of the people on this show and how you know they're never going to be able to make this money again and really being on a reality show, especially for these specific people, because they were on the show when they were so young, because most of them do not have higher education or any sort of um, like skills or career outside of this show, it's almost like dealing drugs being on this show. It's a fast cash for little work. Now, I'm not saying that they don't work. And as I've said a million times, like I actually think they're underpaid for the level of scrutiny and privacy that they have to give up. But... And because of the amount of money that MTV makes off of them compared to what they make from MTV. Um, But like, it's like being a drug dealer and that it's going to be incredibly hard for any of them. And I think this is why Fair has transitioned into escorting because they're addicted to the amount of money that they make for not having to put in hard work. Right. Not to, to, for some of them to not even get dressed. No, they don't (laughs) clean their homes. Like they I just opened the door for this producer I've known for 10 years. Yeah. And we just talk and I'm not, to me, I would never want that because I could not imagine giving up that amount of privacy and be opening myself to the scrutiny that it comes with. I would have no interest in that, but I think you see that on a lot of these reality TV, TV people, I would say influencers, you know, fall into this. It's like, you're really making money for being yourself and that's not how it works for the rest of us the rest of us have to do something in order to earn and we don't earn nearly as much as them and I can't imagine like what it would be like to be making I mean so they probably started making big money in like season three and most of them were like 20 when that happened yeah 
making six figures when you're 20, you're a high school dropout. Maybe you have your diploma and you're just getting paid to be yourself. That's like incredibly hard to then transition into the normal world. Right. And you only, and so there are people who play it like Tyler and Kate who buy, who live in the same town. They buy their houses in cash. Um, they do try to have professions, Tyler, that don't work out. Well, fine. But, but when this is over, it's not going to be very hard for them to maintain their lifestyle or something similar to it. It's not, I mean, they're not doing much. You know what? You understand what yeah, I'm saying. They're not like, especially Tyler and Caitlin who drive, you know, the minivan. Yeah, like, they definitely live way, way better than they would if they never had this show. But I agree with you that they will probably be okay for a while. But Farah is on the other end of yes. that. Someone who like, like everybody else is in between. So Tyler and Kate are one and Farah's on the other end. Mm-hmm. And that she like, her lifestyle changed so dramatically that there's no way to keep it up unless you do the thing you don't want to do. I mean, do you think about sometimes, I mean, when the stores were still open, oh like God. I was you thinking- know they were like 10 minutes from me and I never went to them. I never was Princess. like- Paying rent on three stores? Ridiculous. She could have had internet stores. Yes. Paying rent? I mean, the frozen yogurt store wasn't a terrible, terrible idea, even though I would argue that that she opened that already on the downturn of frozen yogurt, and frozen yogurt had kind of gone out by, like, 2014, where, you know, it had, like, its peak, and now, like, uh, most of those have closed. Remember in 2012, where every single corner got a frozen yogurt self-serve place? Like, yes overnight and I took my husband there he didn't understand how it worked so he princess everything up on there and it was like 20 fucking dollars oh for wait was, that's so funny I was just out to lunch with my friends today and we were talking about this and I not that long ago had an 11 one <laughs> and I was like what was I supposed to do like I had to pay for it like <laughs> like what are you gonna do like let me put this shit back and then I realized here's the key if you guys eat frozen yogurt this is what you have to do so not, you have to be smart with the toppings, but really what it is, is you get one third of the amount that you think you need for frozen yogurt. Yes. Because you don't realize that you have, you have no concept of how much frozen yogurt you want to eat because we're not like conditioned to live in a world where we serve ourselves frozen yogurt. So yes. we just fill it all, those big ass cups on purpose. We fill those big ass cups up all the way without like, oh yeah, I guess I eat the whole thing. So if you put in one third the amount that like you just pull down the thing for like four seconds and don't need much okay you're gonna just be really (laughs) you really do not need nearly as much frozen yogurt as you think and then you can have a good amount of toppings usually i can get it for like five dollars well you know like when cold stone when i first went to cold stone oh my god what the fuck is this like it thing i was like that is not enough ice cream (laughs) so i got like the biggest one and was like no i eat ice cream i need the big ice cream it melted because I just was looking at it. It was too much fucking ice cream. And uh, that's that's exactly what he did. And he like put the heaviest toppings on there. <laughs> and he goes, what? I thought it was, uh, you just pay for the cup and whatever you fit in there. I was like, yeah. what the fuck are you doing? We'll be right back after a quick break. So I would say Ferris frozen yogurt had already come on the downturn, but you know what? She's a celebrity. Like she, she does have a draw and I was like, you know, good, good for her. But when she opened two retail stores at the same time, like I could have screamed. It was was run by a seven year old. 
<laughs> it She's was the hiring, firing. She's that, that was when I knew that Farrah was a bad businesswoman because no one in their right fucking mind would open three stores within a year of each other. I knew she was a bad businesswoman when you told me how much she got paid for backdoor tea. Oh, yeah, no, I was like, oh, it's not enough. Because then you have to like go to like conventions and stuff to like. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I, I think that that is what really fucked her up. More than just doing the porn, I think that like yeah. year where she was like on the porn rounds, like in strip clubs, like I think that's so when. Meet, type of drugs you're offered, the type of like. The type of things that can happen to you. She said she was raped. And one, I know that they that yeah. that's been proven to be not proven. That I I know that we que- the, we question her timelines because because the timeline doesn't match and it seems like it's not true and it comes right after her saying that James Dean was her boyfriend. And yeah. listen, guys, I'm not a porn connoisseur, but I was like, is that James Dean? a plug for the smush room if you've never listened to my episode one of my episodes on the smush room my first one i think uh troy and i did james dean and farrah and like broke down how it was literally impossible that they dated and farrah made up like an entire dates that they had like farrah claims like took a trip to miami together and james is like no we met like the day before and vi or whatever that uh vivid Vivid or something like that. Vivids, whatever, in their offices, and then we shot the porn the next day. That was but, an excellent episode with you going, you and Troy going, I don't know if he's in a relationship, but I'm in a relationship with him. Like, that's that's what Fair kept saying. She was like, I don't know what he's doing, but we were in a relationship. Like, you can't just say you're in a relationship with someone. But, like, so on the heels of that, like, huge lie. That's what she was, like, peddling for a long time. That was obviously a lie. The timeline's wrong on the stuff she's talking about here. And people are releasing videos. I'm like, she was not... That's not what happened. And she she was paid to perform, and she came out and performed. The fact that it was a sexual act does not change the fact that this is a contract she signed. She showed up at the time. She got ready. And then she did it. Like... Mm -hmm. And so I feel bad because you know how I, we've talked about this before. I never want to be anywhere going, I don't think you were raped. That's never a, a sentence no, I want to say. Never. I like people, I, if someone says something like that, I'm like, okay, well, what's our next step? What do we do? I don't want to be that person. Never. But it's extremely hard when it's very obvious that something didn't happen. Like, something yeah. you're saying isn't true. Are, did we talk about Farrah since we're just talking about Farrah? Yeah, let's talk about Farrah in the episode. <laughs> so she definitely had the most, I think, interesting segment in that, like, there was a lot going on. Yeah. Sophia's five months old. Mm-hmm. Um, and that made me look up, because I, because I was curious about the other kids. So Sophia was born in... February, right? February of 2009. That's but Leah was born in November of 2008. Yes. So Leah's a full three, maybe, you know how they're fudgy with timeline. She might even be four months older. Uh, and Bentley's birthday, I think, is in October. Right. Okay. So he's the oldest. There. Yeah. Because, be- you know, because we-, we celebrate Bentley's birthday every year on this fucking show. You have to. <laughs> you have um, to. But, so, the first, very, very first thing that we must, must, must discuss is that Farrah does a voiceover that says... My baby's dad isn't in the picture. Yes. Now, I know, 
because you just talked about this not too long ago on this show. And guys, I listen to this show every Sunday morning. I'm fucking myself over because I cannot listen to my voice. This Sunday morning, I will be <laughs> mother's list. But I'm doing this for the culture. So <laughs> I know that you talked about the fact that um, Michael and Derek were in the middle of a court thing. And I think it was a criminal court thing. Uh, yes, a felony felony charge and that michael pulled a knife out on Derek, and he was facing like assault with a deadly weapon like not just like they got into a little fight like michael was facing legitimately serious charges and it was because Derek fair had snuck Derek into the house Mm -hmm. like you do and and he was sleeping there and i know this because Farrah told Sophia this in a sing-song voice when she was two years old, that, <laughs> that this is, your daddy was, and then my dad, then grandpa was very mad, and, like, and this became a felony incident. Now, I have a theory that the reason they are not forthcoming about Derek is, mm-hmm. one, they didn't know where the show was going to be going, and two, Michael and Deb said we cannot talk about this because it's possible they could, he could have still been prosecuted. Not likely, but possible if they had enough evidence. And so they were like, no, he's just not here. We can't talk about, him. you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I am wondering if Derek's family sent MTV a letter that says they're not allowed to mention him in this first season, or they weren't sure how to mention Derek without, you know what, like, I think it's the latter because the former will Derek's family, not trying to be mean. They are not of means. They are not the type of people who know that you can just get a lawyer to send. That's true. They are not those type of people. They're the type of people that crack a beer and argue about it in a barbecue. They're not that, those type of people. So like, like the type Although of his mom did like his mom sued for grandparents rights like his mom that's different and was like in court is what i'm that's different because that's about that's custody stuff that's not like hey you need to call mtv legal and let them know that's that's very those that's are a lot more complicated. also i wonder if mtv was unsure of um you know derek did dry, die i believe he was the passenger in maybe he was the driver but they had been underage drinking that day. There was legal trouble for the woman who had given them alcohol. Yeah. I think it was just a mess. Like, I think everything involved was, like, very messy. And MTV, maybe at the time, didn't want to introduce that and, like, the mess of it. That's one of this. I think that MTV thought they had a certain type of show in their hands. Mm-hmm. And of course, we want drama on every show, but they did not know that years down the line somebody would shoot a dog. That's not something they thought they no. just this would be about. So they were like, you know what? Because keep in mind, remember when Kate was, this was maybe two seasons ago, they showed Kate smoking weed in her car with her mom. And for years they had been hiding stuff. Like right. they were putting shit yeah. out left and right. They right. smoked timelines. Like that's the type of show they had where they just be like, oh, we're just going to edit out the N-word of the hills. I also wonder if maybe they thought it would be too sad and in between like Kate and Tyler giving I wonder if they wanted like Kate and Tyler to be the sad storyline and just like didn't want that for Farah. no I think that I I look at me I'm just like no Liz no 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 (laughs) like 
which is your favorite thing. But Kate, I think Kate and Tyler were meant to be the inspirational thing. They're supposed to meant to yeah, that's rise true. above it. I mean, the what that that sad shit that just happened. They really thought Kate and Tyler were gonna be like they were gonna graduate school, become doctors, marry doctors. <laughs> like they, that's what they thought was gonna happen with Kate and Tyler. And I, so I understand that Farrah was a teenager, but regardless. I will be on record saying that it's deranged for her <laughs> to get on a microphone and record that her baby's dad is out of the picture knowing he's dead. Knowing he's dead. Yes. I think it's one thing for production to do it because they don't know Derek. You know, like yeah. it's another thing. I remember watching that and like assuming that he just like left her. And I remember like finding out online that he was dead and being like, excuse me like and that's why they had to put it in the show because it came out online that he was dead um i think i i also knowing what we know about deb can't you imagine deb being like that's behind us yeah we're not moving forward we have to start anew the you guys weren't even together you know like you can't talk about that stop thinking about that Farah. can't you see that a hundred percent and it's just it's so wild that they filmed this whole season acting like he's just a deadbeat and then they open season two with like oh surprise he's been dead this whole time i don't even think they said this this whole time i think that like the way i understood it because i wasn't like deep on the internet with team mm-hmm. mom i just watched the show and I, the way i understood it is that he died during season one that's what i thought happened i thought i thought he was around when the baby was born but like not coming around and then he died and that's what i thought happened it's just so crazy. So yeah, so it's on record. Derek is not in the picture. Not that he's dead. Um, Derek can't come over because Derek is dead. <laughs> like, Derek's a single mom because Derek died. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine if they were at the birthday party going, I can't believe Derek isn't here. <laughs> like I add him like, oh, you know he's not coming. Yeah, oh, he's dead, bitch. <laughs> one more thing. Also, I wonder if Deb was extremely adamant. They were very much keeping Sophia, like Derek's family, out of Sophia's life. And I wonder if they were not going to let MTV put any of Derek's family on the, you know what, like, they didn't want Derek's family at all associated with Sophia at this point. So it's possible that Deb was like, well, if we talk about it on the show, they might want to come around and we're not letting them come around. So we're not talking about them. And I, so remember later when she's trying to get social security benefits for Yeah. For Sophia, and they won't do the tests. Mm-hmm. I bet that's after years of us being like, "Can we see the baby? Can we?" Yeah, yeah. And you and you being like, "No, I'll send you a picture, but that's it." My mom says, "You know," and then yeah. now you want me to come take a blood test when you've been telling me all this time that I can't see this baby and that I need to, you know, get a life or whatever. I can, I can <laughs> get a life. Why do you even care? <laughs> can you imagine, Farrah? Do you know Farrah said, "Get a life." Hundred like, percent. Why do you keep calling my phone? Maybe get your own baby. I just think this is really pathetic that you, like, care so much about this. Yeah. You don't even know her, and she doesn't know you. (laughs) Like, like, imagine getting some voicemails like that, and then, of course, you're like, no, bitch, I'm not showing up to do your blood test for you. Fuck you. So Farrah lets us know that she's juggling work, modeling, culinary (laughs) arts school, and Sophia. <laughs> you know the hot, hot, hot modeling industry of Iowa. Yeah, she was at every church runway. <laughs> she was at every mall. All she was at all of that. <laughs> I mean, 
And they definitely set up right away that like Farrah wants to date and that Farrah like needs to date because she hasn't been on a date since Sophia was born, which to <laughs> me, I'm like, am I supposed to find that to be like crazy? Cause you have a four month old and you're a teenager. I'm like, that's not crazy that you haven't been on a date. Yeah. And also there are married people with like in-house dick that haven't gotten dick in a four month. <laughs> like, yeah. that's not how it usually, I mean, you're tired, your whole downstairs is fucked up. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, so we got, I mean, Farrah and Deb, like, don't speak a civil word to each other this whole episode. Although I will say, sometimes they go from, it's so hard to tell if they're fighting or not, because they're always in this tone of voice. And Deb was like, did you give Sophia a bath yet? And she's like, no, mom. So don't put that stuff away, okay? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm making a pizza. Leave me alone. <laughs> you know, Farrah reminds me of a friend of mine who, um, like, some of the she's she's turning 30 this year and i've only known her for a couple of years but like some of the stuff she says i'm like 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 she'll be like i don't know why i have to go to work when it's spring break and i'm like 30 year olds don't get spring break <laughs> like, like that's me, high school bullshit me being like i should get the summer off yeah oh uh, it's christmas break well is it yeah. <laughs> don't you have to work unless until a specific holiday and so she, we were having this conversation because she's like having some dating issues and she's like when i was in high school everybody wanted to fuck me like i couldn't even go anywhere without people trying to stop people just wanted to fuck me all the time and now i have to like find people and talk to them and <laughs> and i was like oh you're so cute <laughs> she's still incredibly hot like everybody just the people that want to fuck her now are like 40 year old dads that you know are pretending they aren't married but i just found it so like it's so interesting she reminds me of a lot of fair the way she gets in fights with her mom and stuff and that's why i was thinking about fair being such hot shit in high school and having like a lot of like oh wait I can't just put on my cheerleading outfit and walk down the hallway and people will be like, look how great she is. Like, I, she seems like exactly the type of person that got a terrible, rude awakening like two years out of high school. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's definitely where Farrah is. And yeah. so she is going on a date with a guy named Cole and Deb doesn't think she should date. And if she does, she should bring him to the house for the first date. And Farrah's like, No. How ridiculous is it for Deb to be talking to Farrah like she is a child when she has a whole ass baby over there? Not just like, hey, I don't want you to get pregnant again. It's hard enough for what we're doing now. We're all helping you, but two babies. Will be. So I want, so she's like, you know, you can't have a physical relationship with it. Like she's, the way she's talking to them is Don't they like forbid her from going on birth control? Because I remember a scene of her trying to hide her Nuva ring in the fridge. That's later. This And it is the first season, but it's later. But yeah, like I she can't. Shaquille, she dates a black guy named Shaquille. <laughs> yeah, she does. <laughs> I know. I remember that. I cannot fucking imagine. First of all, not letting any kid go on birth control, yeah. but especially not letting your child that already got pregnant, that had a lot of sex all over your house mm-hmm. <laughs> like, all the time. You think that was the first time Derek spent the night? <laughs> <laughs> Like, they had, according to Vera's book, her and Derek just, like, had sex, like, nine times a day. Like, every, like, true teenager sex. Like, all day, every day. And I just can't, Mac McKee's mom on Team Mom 3, Angie, was the same way. 
where she like insisted she was going to be absent until marriage and it's like there's a baby here bitch like jig is up the jig is up like i can't believe that like i don't know i just can't it's just so different from how i was raised and how i think today that i just so cannot imagine like ever discouraging anyone (laughs) from being on birth control like my mom would always tell me like whenever you want to go on birth control like just let me know and when i was 16 i told my dad i wanted birth control and he took me to get it and i got it and like like i remember that like from being very young and hearing that my mom was not like hey girl when you just ready to start fucking let me know but she was very much like um I'm not taking care of no babies, so what are we going to do about this? <laughs> I was like, okay, well, I don't know. And she's like, well, here's like 800 condoms. <laughs> just around you all the time. <laughs> like, and even like, this might be too much information, but even now, like when I'm talking about my kids with their therapists and stuff, I'm like telling them like, I hope my kids have satisfying sex lives. I want them to be happy. I want them to be physical with people. I want them to have love in their life and physical love in their life. I, how I get there, like you, you advise me how to speak mm-hmm. to them in a way that I can, that we can get them there. I don't want them to be repressed. I don't want them to think of sex as like a terrible thing because there are too many people in this world having entirely bad sex because they still have the, their grandparents or their rigid mom's voice in their head saying you can't enjoy this you can't do this I hope that by the time all of my kids are old enough they have the pill for women they have implants for men I hope they have all that shit because they're getting all of it (laughs) I just it's just so it's just so wild to me and like I said just so different from how I was raised and I just can't I can't imagine not doing everything possible to prevent my child from being a teen parent. Well, she already is one. She's walking around that house acting like a 10-year-old. Yeah. And and they are babysitting Sophia all the time because think about it. If Fair is on the modeling circuit, she's going to school, she's working at Buffalo Wild Wings. Mm-hmm. Well, and also, did you hear the way she said to her mom? She's like, I'll be back at nine. Like, she does this constantly throughout this episode where she's just informing her mom of plans, not being like, Hi, could you please watch Sophia? Like, she's not your kid, and I just really appreciate that she watch her for me because I'm doing this. No, she's very entitled to that, but I also think it's partly because Deb, from day one, acted like Sophia was part was her child. Yeah, and also, I mean, not for nothing, Deb forced Farrah to have that baby. Farrah wanted to get an abortion, and she wouldn't let her get it. And I bet you there are cutting room scenes of Farrah going, okay, but you better watch it because I'm going I'm to be out. So you make sure you're able to babysit. <laughs> But I did notice, like, throughout this set, like, even in this conversation, I feel like with any of the other moms, it would have been like, hey, like, would you mind watching Sophia tonight? Because I, like, really want to go get ice cream. And, but with her, she's like, I'll be back at nine. Which means, like, Deb's doing everything for, like, giving her dinner, putting her to bed, like, a full routine. Yeah. I bet also Farrah's the type, and I know this type because they're my family, the type that, like, their baby's asleep and they don't even tell you they're leaving. They just like <laughs> go and then you're on the couch. You're like, wait, am I watching this baby? That's because wild. Am I the I... only adult in here? Okay. <laughs> like I bet you that's a demo lot. That's actually like a brilliant move to just leave because then that, oh, that person's going to take care of your baby. Like, I have a sister-in-law that we call Hot Pocket and she used to do the stop, drop, and roll. And what she would do <laughs> is she would roll up to your house in her car, let her kids out, 
They would knock on the door, and when you open the door, she would drive the fuck away. <laughs> and, and like, what are you gonna do? Put him on the porch? No, you're gonna let him in. And she's left them no clothes. We don't know when she's coming back. So that's the point where there'd be this little knock on my door, and I'd be like yelling out the window, "No, get out of the You can't come in. I have places to go." Like she would. It was genius. I like. I don't even. I don't even fault her for it because it was so good. Uh, like the balls to do that it's the balls this girl has the balls I, I'm I, too much of a planner and like an over planner to ever even think like that no because what if they're not home then you're like fuck my plans are what are you yeah. gonna do circle the block three times until like get back like what are you gonna do oh my god I would so I was in Washington DC last week with my family and my cousin Leslie is such a planner and let me tell you bathtub at the yeah yeah. oh yeah did you not see my posts about going to washington (laughs) dc to the holocaust museum i saw that but i didn't know you were at the bathtub at the mandarin oh yeah because there was a block rate (laughs) (laughs) we got it 50 percent off so we got to stay at a five-star hotel for the cost of like the holiday inn in dc it was great yeah um but my cousin Leslie is like the ultimate, ultimate planner. And let me tell you, it was so fucking relaxing for me to be with her because I could just like follow behind her and know that like everything was planned out and okay because I always have to take on that role. You know, like I always have to be the one that makes all the decisions because that's just like what I have to do because I don't trust most people to make plans correctly. Because they um, don't. Because they don't. And so being with my cousin was like so relaxing. And I was telling my mom that in the car on the way home. And she goes, it must be really hard for you to be with me, isn't it? And I was like, yeah. Is your mom not a planner? She is always, always late. Always. And my so- mom too. I okay. used to have such anxiety as a child. I'd be looking at watches. I'd be like, we need to leave. We need to leave in like five minutes because I hate going in there late. I, I call it the gas tank because she used to run out of gas until she lied to me and told me she had a second gas tank underneath the car. <laughs> I called it lateness anxiety. And it's so funny. I was talking with my aunt about this this weekend and I was like, well, I'm all, I'm extremely punctual because my mom was always late. And she said, I don't know if that's a thing that kids like become punctual because their moms are late. I said, no, I like made a conscious choice as a child to develop the skill. Like I can clearly remember thinking about like that. I wanted to be a punctual person and always be on time. And I like developed the skills to do that as a response. Like my mom always being late. And, but I don't know where we're going with this. Oh, but yeah, but being with my cousin who was like such a planner was so lovely for the whole weekend. Nice. And, um, oh, so I could never just drop some kids off somewhere because I, I just can't, right I don't away. live like that. I don't, I just don't live like that. Well, imagine being a planner who, who is related to a non-planner who just drops kids off and runs away. <laughs> Wild. So <laughs> Fair goes to meet with this guy, Cole, who is cute, like for a teenage boy in 2009, like he's cute. Yeah, he's fine. And I can see why he thinks he could be a model. Yeah, because he's the hottest guy in his small Iowa town. Exactly. There are, people would tell me he could be a model since he was seven years old. Yeah, because he lives two hours west of, where does she live? Not Sioux Falls, that's South Dakota. Grand Rapids, Iowa, I think is where she lives. Like, I think in the capital of Iowa. I don't know what the capital is. Driving two hours to do a mall model search. Yeah, exactly. Oh. A casting call, as they yeah. keep calling it. And I'm like, how many casting calls are there in Iowa? There are none, okay? I think Grand Rapids is in Michigan. I don't know, but wherever, whatever major town is in Iowa is where Council Bluffs, I believe, is where she's from. Oh, my God. And 
Um, so yeah, he's obviously like the hottest guy in his town. Mm-hmm. And Farah and him talk and she asks, he says he's going to school to do pre-optometry <laughs> and she doesn't know what that is. And he's like, Vi- it, you know, it's an eye doctor. And she's like, you should just tell people you're going to school for vision because. <laughs> <laughs> That's our Farah. <laughs> um, they sit down for ice cream and Farah's like, by looking at me, would you ever know I have a kid? And he's she like, probably no. asked everyone that. Yeah, every, I can't, every single person. She was definitely also that person when she was pregnant, where it was like, "Can you tell I'm pregnant from behind?" Yes, <laughs> yes. Look, I'm still wearing these jeans. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he was like, "No, you're gorgeous." And she goes, "I know." <laughs> now, is he saying that like you're gorgeous, and if you if, if I thought you had a baby, you'd probably be ugly? Like, no, I think what he, I think he understood what she was asking, which is like, am I as hot as like a normal eighteen year old girl? Yeah. Like that's what she was asking. Like, do I look like all the other eighteen year old girls? You know? Yeah. <laughs> and he just didn't word it exactly correct. But she is gorgeous. I cannot stop looking at her. She is very pretty. And when you think about her now wearing Starburst fur on her head all the time and dying all these I know. It's, it's a shame because I like to think of what this Farrah would look like styled with hair and makeup of 2019 and aged 10 years. You know, like... look pretty good. She'd be beautiful. I'm sure she'd be beautiful. Her hair would be like... She would have beautiful blowouts for her hair. Yeah. Her makeup would be great. She would have better clothes. Like, this is very painfully 2009. Like, her whole look. Like, she's wearing, yeah. like, high heels, shorts, and, like, a weird, like, going out top, but, te- yeah, like, going out t-shirt. <laughs> Her hair is, like, totally, like, she crunched that shit with gel. Yes, yes. When she was putting on makeup, she, oh, my God, I noticed this. She was using, like, the thing for her eyeshadow, the little brush that came with it. <laughs> no one does that. Now, can you imagine watching a YouTube video with someone using that little brush? They use literally use them as, like, a joke. Like, let me put on makeup with the applicators that it comes with. Ha, 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 full face using only the applicators that it comes with. Like, when I saw her doing that, I was like, times have changed. Yeah, yeah, I, I, them going on the date, I was just like, thinking to myself, like, she's, the way she's flirting is so strange. The way, um. I think this proves how little social skills Farrah has always had. I think that's what I mean by being shocked by Farrah's old behavior, because I think in my head I convinced myself that she was normal until she wasn't. And I think what this has shown me, now I'm able to articulate it, is that Farrah has always had an extreme lack of social skills. And I bet her whole life is just like a litter of people that she's like burned bridges with. And I bet she always had friends because she was pretty and rich. And, Mm -hmm. but like she would constantly drop friends too like I bet even like going back to like kindergarten times like always would have falling outs with people always be in fights very mean girl catty but not even in like a a smart mean girl catty way like in a like I'm pretty and hot so I'm popular but I have zero social skills and I would say that's true to today and that's really one of the biggest factors yeah and it's one of one of the biggest factors in who fair is today is that she has a extreme lack of social skills which now kind of comes off as like a personality disorder, but it might just be that she like never developed a way to talk to people. 
Well, the thing that, like, so I was like, yeah, that's her voice, the way she's talking to her mom. That's mm-hmm. how she talks to her mom. The way she talks to her sister and the people around her, that's how she talks. But she's not talking in word soup. Like, I understand. That's true. Her words are in the correct order, and she's not throwing in wilds, like, Correct. Things don't make any sense. And so that makes me think that that part is her high. Like, yeah, yeah, her high or, you know, she's, I don't think we give like enough credence, like how much trauma can really rewire our brains and like really fuck up our brains. Yeah. So I, uh, and also, I mean, even like, you know, I'm not like to diagnose her, but for example, like I don't really think she has this, but like for example, if you develop like a schizoaffective disorder, you know what I mean? Like it can greatly change, even if your whole life you spoke in a speech pattern that made sense. Like if you do some mental illnesses can like even change your speech pattern. And I had a friend, okay. So I have a friend, one of my friends that passed away, she got really bad in drugs and was doing a lot of sex work and it was like really awful and terrible and her mom and I would talk about how weird her voice was and how like me her mom and her sister would like have conversations about this how like the way that she spoke like completely changed after like a couple traumatic things and like she talked a lot faster her voice sound different and like not just like from drugs like there was just like we all like really thought like her brain like something that happened in her brain that was like, it made her almost an entirely different person. Like I can't fully explain it, but it was very bizarre. Like her candor changed, you know, like the way she spoke changed and it was so weird. And like everybody that was close to her noticed it. And I wouldn't be surprised if maybe something similar like that happened to Farrah, but I also agree. Like I think Farrah's a drug addict. I think she's like at a base level high at all times yeah i think she takes a shit ton of adderall yeah maybe yeah she does try to she's always trying to stay skinny yeah she's i mean she's extremely skinny it's hard to notice because that crazy ass and those crazy tits but if you actually look if you look at her arms and you look at um like her clavicles like you can or her like calves you can tell how thin she is she like she probably only weighs like 110 pounds and you have to figure like her boobs and her ass weigh 40 pounds together. Yeah. Yeah. I also, so that, and then also I was thinking about how young I have to be to try to introduce a guy I went on a blind date with to everyone I fucking knew in the world within two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. That's, (laughs) so it made me also think about the fact that, you know how Kale and Javi have been dating for a long time and then um, they had to introduce them in the show somehow, so they pretended like they met at a blind date. What if this was something similar? Maybe they've been talking for a while and seeing each other for a while, and she was like, well, producer's like, well, what's going on with your love life? And she has to, like, they kind of have to reproduce this. That's true, because it would be easy for them to be like, oh, well, my gay friends set me up with him, like, and they're fabulous, and they're going to come over and talk. They're both wearing vests. I love that. They were, like, the gayest gay guys in Iowa in 2009. I've never seen Farrah with gay guys. So she used to hang out. One of them is named Tyler, I think. He's in her 16 and pregnant, and I think that was one of them in this episode. Um, And they stayed friends, I think, for the first, like, couple seasons. When does Farrah move to Florida? Is it season four of TV? I... 
I think maybe season, yeah, probably because season two is all the legal stuff and I don't think she moves the next season. I think maybe at the end of season three. Okay. Because I think season four opens with her in Florida. So after that, we get a lot, so we see a little, we see Ashley in this episode, but mm-hmm. we see a little Ashley when she moves to Florida. And after that, we only see potential dates and things. And Michael, when she moves to Texas. Other than that, besides the crazy real estate and the porn uh, stars, we don't see a lot of people in Farrah's segment. She doesn't have a lot of people. Do you remember, it's funny I bring this up, I already recorded next week's episode and we bring this up in that. And when OG came back and they did those like catching, not the bean specials, but like the sit down specials and they were kind of explaining breaking the fourth wall and the girls would all watch their old episodes and like talk about them. In Farrah's, it was like a 45-year-old neighbor woman. And after like five minutes, Farrah kicks her out because her and Deb are screaming at each other yeah. about the old episodes. And Farrah's like, you have to leave. This isn't okay for you to be here. And I remember at the time thinking, is that Farrah's only friend? Yeah. Farrah has. Macy, Macy had like all her best girls that are still her best girls that have been her best girls yes. since she pregnant. Not for nothing. Macy's like me and that she's had the same best friends her whole life. And that's kind of how I am. And it's something... I understand that circumstances are different for everyone. I don't judge people on this, but I think that speaks highly of a person if they can keep friendships for a long time. I think that's sure. something that I value in myself. So obviously I value it in other people. Yeah. You know, it makes you look at a little town forever. She's been there since she was probably she, born. It's not a little, but Chattanooga, you know? Yeah. And she kept up with her friends too. And I think that speaks a lot yeah, to her friends. Her friends too that kept up with her, even though she had a baby, you know what I like? Yeah, she had a baby. She started making a lot of money. She's, you know, they went off to college and they still stayed close. Like, I think that speaks a lot to like Macy's ability to keep friends. And I think that that's a good quality in a person. Um, Farrah is on the exact opposite end of the spectrum where she, I don't think has had a friend longer than a year, like ever. No, I think also Farrah is one of those people that you probably meet and she's like, you're like, Oh, she's the best thing. She's so funny. She's so pretty. Oh, oh, we're going to drive three hours away to, to talk to a boy? Sure. And shit like that. And then, like, a couple of things happen. You're like, wait. Well, not right with her. I think Farrah is the perfect example of that person that you become friends with, that you, like, like gossiping with, and you guys talk shit, and they do mean things, and it's kind of funny, mm-hmm. like, because it's not happening to you. And then everybody has had this situation where they like make this friend and you're like, ha 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 ha. Like your life is crazy. Like your mom's a bitch. Like, wow, your ex is awful. And like, you realize like you, you love talking with them about like all the bad shit in their life. And then all of a sudden it turns on you. Yep. And you're like, Oh wait, all this stuff that I thought thought was funny and like kind of crazy. Now I realize why all those people acted the way they did. And it's because of the way that you're acting towards me right now. And you're awful. Yeah, and this is a free piece of advice, guys. You never believe someone who's the victim of every story they tell. You yeah. never believe them. Because eventually they're going to be telling a story about you and they're going to be the victim too. Like, like That's so true. <laughs> That's so, so, so true. So, Farrah, um, Ashley comes over. I kind of miss Ashley on the show. Ashley, according to her, like consciously left the show that she chose to stop filming, not just like, her and Farrah completely stopped talking. I think they don't talk, but even before that, Ashley chose not to be on the show, which you guys know is like the most 
there's nothing I respect more than someone choosing not to be on the show. Well, I think Ashley stopped talking to the parents. Well, Michael's her step Right, 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 first. right, right. And then, and, and so that's why she filmed a bit with Pharaoh when she was in Florida, because they had gotten a little closer, because they've both been like, mom is fucking crazy. And then she disconnected from Farrah, basically. I'm saying like she's a Scientologist. She but did, I, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? She was like, no, Farrah's yeah. part of the problem too. You're right. She gave an interview being like, I am not part, like I can't be part of my toxic family. What if she's a Scientologist? I would love that. <laughs> she's in Florida. What if she's in Clearwater? <laughs> that would be, honestly, Farrah should, what if Farrah goes to like, a Narcanon rehab, Scientology's rehab, then becomes a Scientologist. <gasps> we would love it. We would demand they give her our own show again. We, would, we, like, we need this. But All I right. think parents going to die first. Before yeah, I mean, honestly, like, it sounds terrible, but I see Farah. I don't know, like, in my, in my dark end category, Farah is, like, second behind Amber to me. Right, and I think that after that, what we see most is Deb and Michael fighting over Sophia. And oh my God, could you fucking imagine? Even more dark shit coming out. I guarantee you Deb's going to say, Deb, oh Deb is going to let it out. She's going to let all Michael oh. shit out. She's going to say that he was too close to Farah, that she used to worry about him sleeping in her room or something like that. It's going to be a lot of shit. I'm actually kind of surprised she never like dropped that. <laughs> because I think, we're, you know, I don't know if it's a rumor or what, but it's it's like, I've decided it's true, so I probably read it on the internet, but like that, something had happened to Farrah when she was younger, some sort of inappropriateness. Yes. So it's Not a rumor. Michael. Okay, I can tell you what the exact, the internet rumor is that, and I can tell you why this is an internet rumor. So okay. people have always been very suspect of why Farrah hates Deb so much, right? I think that's a natural a natural instinct when you're watching this show. Like, why do they have this relationship? And instead of just assuming, like, because of Deb being an awful abusive woman and Farrah being who she is, and they just clash, whatever. So I think people have always been naturally curious about, like, what thing made Farrah like she is. Then Farrah went on couples therapy by herself, and Dr. Jen got on camera and said that Farrah told her the worst thing that she's ever heard off camera. Now, I thought that was the rape at the um, porn convention. So... Maybe you thought that, but people online have always thought that that meant they went with that. And then because of her relationship with Deb, assumed that Farah had been molested by someone in her family and told Deb and Deb didn't believe her. So this is a legit out of the fucking sky rumor. Yeah. And I definitely talked about it like it's definitely true. I've definitely repeated it like as like this is what people say. I know I've talked about it on this podcast before. I personally don't believe that. I believe something like that could have happened, but I don't believe that rumor for that. And I've always thought that Dr. Jen was bullshitting in that scene because Farrah was getting beat the hell up on that season. Remember, yeah. everybody hated her. They were screaming you know at Lesbians were on there from the real L word. They were screaming <laughs> at her the whole time. Like, you're a fucking porn star. Why are you here without anybody? Why are you here single? You're fake. You're fake. And everyone think, hated her. And I think Dr. Jen, who was the star of a television show and was acting in the capacity as a star of a television show and not a therapist, said that to kind of um, give fair credibility. So you, so I felt this too. I felt like if they had told me what it was that Farrah said, 
I wouldn't have think it was the worst thing that anybody had ever said. There's no I, way that Jen, a professional therapist, that Farrah could tell her the worst thing that she's ever heard. Right, because you've seen, like, I mean, what are you going to say that I haven't seen on an SVU episode? Like, exactly. what are you going to say? Exactly. But was that I heard the season Taylor was on? Yes, I think so. I've heard some, like, just, like, one summer interning at a crime victim center. I heard some yeah. shit that, like, want to die. Yeah, like, maybe in, like, in two months. Like, just being, like, in the foster care world, I've heard some terrible, terrible shit that keeps you up at night shit. Yeah. Like... And you mean to tell me Jen and all of her years as a therapist? So I've always thought that that was her producing the show a little mm-hmm. bit. And, like, her deciding that Farrah needed something that was going to make her seem, like, vulnerable to the other cast members. And they were going to have empathy towards her. Mm. But I feel like she didn't tell the other cast members. Maybe no, I'm she didn't. Them. Which is why I believe it less. Because oh. she was just saying, like this bad thing happened, and then all the cast members were like, oh. I, you know what, I'm, call me a, a demon if you want to. I've been like, what was it? <laughs> like, yeah, of course. Well, what are we doing here? Aren't we processing our traumas? <laughs> like, yeah, just tell me what it was. Like, yeah. give me a ballpark. Act it out on this pillow. Just tell me what fucking happened. I'm not gonna sit here. Like, what? <laughs> but yeah, so Ashley doesn't talk to them, although I believe she was at Deb's wedding. Was she? Yeah, okay. I think she was. So looking at Ashley, I thought about this. I thought, what's it like to grow up as Ashley from Deb's first marriage, and you've got this really cute little sister who's really spoiled, incredibly spoiled, and screaming all the time, and like she did, she can't listen to anything. She like even if you're t- the whole time Deb is talking to her or Ashley's talking to her, Farah never is quiet. She's making a pizza. She's like, yeah, yeah. Well, and the crazy thing is that all three of them speak exactly the same to each other. Yes. Like, at one point, Deb says something like, you want to be home with Mama? And Ashley, like, just like that, Mama? <laughs> and Ashley turns around and goes, shut up! Yeah, yeah. So you see you see that family dysfunction there. But I was just imagining being Ashley where um, Ferris is apple of everyone's eye. She's incredibly spoiled. And you don't have a, your mom's terrible. You don't have a good relationship with her. That's your stepdad. And yeah, it, it must have been, I'm, Ashley needs to write a book. Ashley yeah. needs to write a book. A hard agree, would love to read Ashley's book. But Ashley's point is basically like, I don't understand why you need to date right now. Which like, yeah. okay. In theory, I agree with her. And I've told many people in my day that they don't need to be dating. But also at the same time, it's also like, it's not really your business to tell her that. No, it's not. So this is how I felt. I was like, I didn't understand why Deb was talking to her like she was 12 and a virgin. And second, but at the same time, it is my business if we have to like pitch in to help you with your baby when you're out modeling. Like that becomes my business. And it becomes my business if you need me to do all these things so you can go out on a date. Well, and that's where Deb's infuriating, right? And that all she does is squawk, 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 yes. squawk, squawk in the background, but she still watches Sophia while Farrah goes out on a date. Right, and Janelle's mom got custody of the yeah. kid. But, like, Deb, and also Deb wants to watch her. Yeah. That's the thing, Deb wants to. That's her baby. Yeah, baby goo. 
Yeah. So I, so like, I understand that, but I don't, I don't understand what the point of this conversation was because Farah has made up her mind and she's an 18 year old thing. She knows everything. So she's not, you can't just talk to her and be like, oh, well, you don't really need to go on a date. Also, she gets all of her self-validation from other people looking at her, calling her beautiful, being in a relationship, all those things make Farah. So the fact that it's been four months since she had sex or whatever it is that she's out there trying to get to do is like heartbreaking for her. She really thinks she needs to go on a date. Yeah. She's probably like, I haven't had sex in a year. Yeah. Which is not true. I bet she had sex. Well, when did Derek die? How pregnant was she? I think she was seven months pregnant. She had sex well before a year. Yeah. She was having sex with him. So So Cole is coming over to meet her parents and this is Probably my favorite scene in Teen Mom history. Call me a bitch. Call me overprotective. Like she had that. So she did that speech in the mirror that morning. Yeah. <laughs> she said, "You can call me overprotective. You can call me a bitch. I don't care what you call me." Um. She asks Deb asks Cole how many relationships he's been in, and he says, uh, "Or how many serious relationships would you say you've been in?" He says two, and she goes, "So what happened?" <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm 18. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, she, one time, she had a new English class when we came back from the semester, so we just weren't together anymore. And Imagine then, asking an 18-year-old how many serious relationships they've been in. Well, how about asking an 18-year-old about his sex life? I mean, it's it's literally... Well, she, she asks what's important to him, and he says, phys, you know, physical attraction is important because he's 18 and he's the hottest guy in his small town. What the fuck else was he going to answer? And Deb says, you know, I hope it's more than that. Deb's using her especially crazy voice in this scene. And it's her voice. Yeah. She's like, I understand being young, but I don't go for being ruled by your crotch. Well, then what we do with this baby in here? That's what I want to say. (laughs) She literally says, me personally, well, with our religious background, we believe in abstinence until we get married. That's where we're from. I don't know your religious background, so can you tell me about that? He's like, well, I don't, I don't really have one. I don't, we don't go to church or anything. And she says, would you like to go to church with us? And he like kind of laughs and Fair kind of laughs. And she goes, we would love to have you go to heaven with all of us. Oh my God. Don't you want to go to heaven with all of us? That is the wildest fucking thing that you can say to anyone ever. But here's the thing that's funny about Deb. You know Deb is newly religious. Deb was not, if we take it back 10 years from this point, Deb was not. I guarantee you she wasn't super religious. I guarantee you she wasn't. She's one of those new people that just found, like, religion, and now she's determined that all of you need to find it too. It's just so... Her it, hair. Remember, this is before Deb's got these liquid facelifts that Farrah had to pay for. Honestly, okay. The hats and the wrapping. <laughs> does, ta- does Deb look crazy now? Sure. But when you look at these old... You look at older Deb, I mean, not all of her face work was bad. No. She, her face work isn't bad. She just looks... See, the thing is that Deb... Smiling that Deb will not admit to is that she bought in to the same thing Farrah bought into. Yeah. Farrah got it f- 
from her to begin with. So that's why she's on stage calling Farrah the strongest woman she's known. And she just had a little tape. And like, that's why she's on there. Even though Farrah's like gonna leave the reunion and go to a porn convention. Like, that's why she's doing that. Yeah. Deb has those same values. So that's why I find it horrendous, not horrendous, maybe hilarious that she's over here asking to go to heaven with her when maybe four to five years later, she's in LA trying to get a liquid facelift and go and driving, dropping Farrah off at her stripper gigs. Like that. I mean, just, I just imagine anybody ever asking you, like, if you wanted to go to heaven with them. I would leave because I would think that they put something in the Kool-Aid. I would leave. I mean, I'd be terrified. Truly, truly terrified. So, I probably wouldn't have shown up to this anyway. This is like incredibly premature. Well, this Bear's is laughing. This is Cole know. wanting to go on camera and be on Teen Mom. Yeah, yeah. He probably wanted to get some MySpace my space friends from it. Like he was like, <laughs> yeah. This is like he was. He saw he had stars in his eyes. Yeah, I'm gonna say something mean about Sophia now. Okay, <laughs> so. Sophia is her cutest when she's a baby. This is the cutest Sophia is to me because as she gets older, because of the way she speaks, which I think is a, an issue with Farah. I, I, that's what I really, that's where I think she gets that shit from. The way she speaks, she seems like a robot to me. She reminds me of that little girl from Small Wonder. But <laughs> when she's small, she's I remember full of charisma, that one. <laughs> she's just like, hello, my name is Sophia. Like, that's how she talks. Well, she's weird. She doesn't interact with a lot of people. She doesn't interact with other children. She's only around crazy-ass Farrah, crazy-ass Deb, and creepy-ass Michael. Yeah, for sure. 100%. So all of this is uh, going on. and But when she's a baby, she seems like, she looks like a little piglet. And I I, I know that seems mean, but cute in a way, like a little piglet. <laughs> Super cute. It's cute though, but she does like a piglet and then she grows to a robot. That's all I want to say about it. <laughs> okay, let's uh, power through this because it's about three hours already and <laughs> we are not far in this episode. Yeah, all I want to know is where's Cole now? I wonder where he is now, what he's doing now. Um, I would say maybe a math addict. I bought that too. And I was like, Princess, you're being fucking mean. I was like, but no, he's from that town. It's a smaller town. You um, know, he didn't make it as a model. Uh, maybe he's an eye doctor. Maybe he's the <gasps> town hottest eye doctor. I hope he's got a little eye doctor shop and he's the only eye doctor around, kind of like how Randy's the only dentist around. And that's yeah. why he gets all the business. Would love that for him. All right. So Sophia, oh, Farrah gets a message that, um, basically from a girl being like, I still fuck Cole. And Farrah is, I mean, rightfully pissed. And she makes this plan with her two friends that they're going to drive to confront him. And she goes, she tells Deb this because she's just presenting this to Deb. Not like, hey, could you watch the baby for the entire day while I go on a road trip? No, what she says is, I have to confront Cole. But first, I have to find a babysitter. And then she just, just like, walks in there and it's like, and, and Deb says the thing that we all are saying, like, why would you drive? Is it three hours one it's, way? Or is it- it, yeah, she said it's two to three hours one way. And Deb has a great line. She says, I wouldn't waste my time, my gas, or my life on this. I agree. I agree with Deb. But this is something you do when you're 18 and your two best gay friends are like, <laughs> 
gonna write shotgun exactly (laughs) exactly well to be fair to deb she does say like this is teenager stuff and vera's like uh no it's not mom (laughs) yeah it's so funny like that conversation between the two of them is really like quintessential deb and farah and just, like yeah. he's telling her is like speaking to her and Farrah's just screaming back and like yeah i know uh-huh yeah yes i am over it all right <laughs> <laughs> she well i mean Farrah literally yells at her you're stupid yeah. <laughs> says, i wouldn't let him have the honor of my presence because deb's right she's like what is what for what like you're gonna go confront him and then what's gonna happen and Farrah's and and then Deb goes, We're done with him, Farah. And I'm like, who is we, bitch? Yeah. That's that's what she's super controlling. It's really I can't imagine my mom in high school like referring. Okay, so my boyfriend in high school cheated on me my senior year. I was devastated. We had been together for six whole months. Oh my god. Um, we had been like off and on for like had like he was awful. He was awful the whole time that I knew him. And to be honest, is still pretty awful. Um, but he so he like cheated on me, and I remember like crying to my mom about it, and I was like, I lost my virginity to him, and like, how could he do this? And my mom was obviously, like, super nice and caring. And I just, like, cannot imagine her being, like, well, we're done with this now. Like, Can you imagine Pastor T saying it? No, I don't think so. Well, maybe, but in a more, um, how do you want me to help you move forward with this? Okay. Don't you think? Yeah. I can see her saying, like, well, you know what's going to happen. And you know that that's not what you want. So why don't we just not let Barr come over here? Like, well, well, that's also another thing. So I think Pastor T would say within regards to Barr, because like Barr lived with them. Right. And like, is like, well, we're not doing this. Like when she says we're, when Pastor T says we're not doing this, what she means is like uh, me and my husband, we're not doing this. Okay. So she and doesn't like, mean like Ashley and, she, and I've made a decision for you. So she kind like, she's including Ashley, but I think she also understands that like, Ashley's going to do what she wants to do. And when, when T says we, I think it's understood between both of them that like, does that make sense? Like, yeah, yeah. she might say like, we're not doing this, but she also says like, Ashley, you need to make your own decisions. Like you have to make your own mistakes. I'll support you. Yeah. I'm not included in this, but I get it. And that's more like how my mom is, I guess. Um, but like, I talk, I mean more of like somebody that's like literally has no involvement in your life at all. Like this guy Cole and like my high school boyfriend meant to my mom who she met him like two times. You know what I mean? Like, like this was not somebody that my mom knew well. And so, so it's kind of similar in that way that I can't imagine my mom being like, well, we're moving on from this. Cause it's like, who's we like, this is just about me. And you've met him once and I've known for two weeks. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So they drive to wherever in her little car this is the car that she got stolen oh the craigslist scam car yeah in her little car i remember this car so well yeah oh poor girl yeah and they go and they like sit down and she's like i just have one question for you cole do you know what tara (laughs) and he's goes tara he even corrects her yeah he's like tina (laughs) And then her friends are like, okay, we're going to go to the bathroom. 
And I thought that was like, I was like, you guys are so bad at this. You're like, oh, we both have to pee at the same time. Bye, guys. But they go to the bar. Basically, Cole denies it. She's like, okay, so let's call her right now. And he's like, okay. So they do, and like, nothing. I, we don't We don't even well, get a says, resolution. He says, he says, okay. But then he's like, well, let's not do it right now. She's like, no, let's do it. You, and if you notice, she's talking to him. Like, we've seen so many scenes of her and Simon with yes. something like this. Yes. Exactly the same. And they talk on the phone but like we don't get to hear what she says and they don't give us a recap of what she says Mm -mm. all we get is like farah making him not apologizing and her going could you say sorry and he's like well sorry and she goes i'm so glad you said sorry when i asked you to say sorry but he still has not admitted he did it yeah i know it's crazy i don't know but deb was right this was a fucking waste of time what did you think he was gonna say she didn't even yell at him. She didn't even do a good confrontation. Like, we didn't get a scene of her being like, okay, well, fuck you. I'm done with you. She just sat there and ate her food. Yeah, and you guys ordered food. So what were you going to do, storm out? You got to get your doggy bag. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm not leaving food here. I have to pay for this. So, so yeah. And then she's, like, driving back with the gays. Uh, and I say her gays because they're wearing, like, matching clothes and going everywhere with her. Because <laughs> she, she definitely called him her gays in 2009. Absolutely she did. She was, like... This was, like, peak Kathy Griffin, my life on yes. the list, my gays. peak, like, I've got my purse and my shoes and my gays. They're, like, little... I really want to rewatch Kathy Griffin, my life on the list. I can't rewatch it because when her dad dies, I always lose it. Always. In the book, in the show, I, like... I was just thinking I want to re-listen to her book because I used to have it on audio years ago when I used to... (laughs) When I used to illegally download audiobooks from live journal communities and people would just, you know, like, upload to Mediafire. They would upload books. Mm -hmm. And I had hers, and I loved it, and I listened to it, like, multiple times, but that was years and years ago. I'm sure it's still my iPod Classic. I remember... Her brother was a child molester. Yes. And, like, kind of estranged from and the she family. she called the not. cops on him, didn't she? He called the cops. But the only reason he was, ex- like, the way I understood it from the reading it was that that she was the catalyst that made him be estranged from the family. That if she had not, that he might still be, like, a part of her family. And that she saw him on the side of the road with a sign, like a homeless person sign. And that she drove by thinking, he's so fucking lazy. His sign just says, need food. It doesn't even say, I will work for food. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, cold-blooded. And so, Did you know Kathy Griffin bought her $10 million house in cash? Yeah. Oh, remember Matt? Oh, that's the best part. Matt sold, what, like $500,000 from her or something? Yes. And she skips over him in the book at first, but I remember watching the show and something happening with Matt. And so she's talking and she's mentioning that she's married. I'm like, what the fuck? Is she going to skip over this? And then the next chapter goes, so remember when I was married? Okay. Let me tell you what happened. And then it just yes. goes. And so he like, cool. did he, according to him, like he did, he wasn't gambling. Like he was oh, just spending money. The movies, buying stuff, pretending to have like freelance jobs. Well, I remember on the show, they, um, they like divorced or like separated and then I remember a stand-up special of her saying like Matt and I are working on it and I specifically remember her like crossing her fingers and like kind of like bending her knees a little bit to you know that like 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, yeah, exactly. Being like, we're working on it. And then it didn't work. And I can't remember if it was in the book or her show. And like the bank called her and her accountant said like she was missing all of this money. They called her assistant first and her assistant, like imagine being the assistant that has to go up there and be like, Kathy. Yeah. And Kathy was like, did you do this to the assistant? She was like, I hate to ask you this. Jessica, her assistant, Jessica. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I love, I loved Kathy Griffin, my life on the D list. And I watched her on someone's YouTube channel and she was like in her house that's next door to the Kardashians. And she's like, I bought this house in cash. Well, and the thing is, is that it's doable. What people don't understand is that if you are a comedian that can sell a certain size and you're on the road all the time, you're going to make a ton selling that merch out there. Also like she never went anywhere unless she was like getting paid to go there like she never you know what i mean like she never went on like a vacation like she got paid to go on like a gay cruise to do stand up yep like she like she was but she talks about the fact that she is a very hard worker she would show up to anything that's her work ethic well joan she learned from joan rivers right oh remember when she guest starred on on svu and and stabler made her cry because (laughs) Because, you know, the fact, on the D-list, she was always doing a bit. That, like, she was yeah. being ridiculous. And they brought the cameras in. And, you know, Stabler's, he's a artiste. He's an actor. And he's like, are you going to do it like this? Like, is this what you think you're going to go out there and do? And he made her cry, even though, I mean, he wasn't being super mean. He was just like, what the fuck is this? And I hated him after that. I was, because she's in the confessional, tears going down. She's like, I just want to do a good job. Christopher Maloney, he was on Handmaid's Tale this week and scary. And I used to think Kathy Griffin and Andy Dick were the same person. (laughs) Seriously? Yeah, I thought he did drag. (laughs) And she tells a great story. We need to stop talking about this. Yeah, about Andy Dick. Yeah. About Andy Dick going on tour with Andy Dick. Oh my God, that story is iconic. Okay, I'm buying that book tonight. And I'm really listening (laughs) to it this week. Okay, let's go on to Macy. And this is the book podcast with Lizzie. <laughs> all I want to talk about is audiobooks that I've listened to. <laughs> all right. So we're talking about Macy now? Yeah. I will say, though, I highly recommend her on audiobook because she reads her own audiobook and is incredible at it because comedians in general, actually, that's not always true, but she is one that happens to be very good at it because she's a storytelling comedian and it's like she's telling you her story. Tiffany Hash is good too, guys. Get that book. It's funny. I- didn't listen to that one. I listened to one comedian that it wasn't good and I was like kind of surprised by it. And then I realized she was like more of a punchline stand-up. I don't know what she said. Set up punchline. Set up punchline. Yeah. As opposed to like a long-winded story. Yeah. Okay. So um, Macy, she is back with Ryan wearing her engagement ring again. I kind of forgot how nice Macy and Ryan's first apartment together was. That Yes. That, I said the same thing. The duplex two-story... They come from means. And I know that um, Macy's always worked, much like a fair, she always kept a job. But she can't afford that without her little bump that she got from, like, whatever check team mom gave gave her. And then the fact that her parents have means to, like, go out and buy you a sofa set and, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. They had, like, a big sofa, like a big sectional. Mm -hmm. Not just, like, a shitty sofa that was in someone's basement. Like, that was bought, bought. Yeah. Oh, did you like her hair? 
I actually did. I liked her short hair. I would like to see her go back to short hair, as I said last week. I think the short hair is just much more flattering on her with that thin hair that she has. She has such thin hair. She's such a thin person. Yeah. Um, she calls it banana-shaped. She is banana-shaped. And I, she, she wasn't has, wrong. She, she always has been. But you remember how, you know how, like, here's the thing about Macy is that I know people think she's pretty, but Macy isn't pretty. She's skinny. Which is different. She's really not pretty. She's never been pretty. She has bad skin. She doesn't have a pretty face, in my opinion. But I think Chelsea's prettier than her. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. But she's skinny, and people mistake that. And not just skinny. She's like teeny tiny. Yeah, she's petite. Yeah, like you want to like pick Macy up and like rock her like a baby. Oh, did you see all that Ed Hardy Von Dutch bullshit in there? <laughs> oh, Macy was like all in on Ed Hardy in 2009. <laughs> her and John Gosling, like <laughs> Ed Hardy. You been afloat. Okay. <laughs> so uh, they go over to uh, dinner at Jen and Larry's and they're like, oh, do you still want to get married in whatever? I didn't hear what the date was, but Macy was like, yep. And Jen's like, that's 10 months away, <laughs> which I'm a little confused about because if Sophia's four months old, five months old, five months old, how could October, whatever, I can't do math. The timeline isn't the same. You know, they, they, especially think about it then, they probably didn't have multiple crews. That's true. They probably filmed Farah then Sophia. Like, yeah, you're right. Farah then Macy. You're right. You're right. So, or whoever, but Jen basically is like, okay, well, if you want to get married, like you need to plan this wedding. Yeah. And Jen really wants them to go to like a marriage uh, workshop, which I'm assuming is probably for their church. For four hours. Yeah. So it's probably just like the pre, like Catholics have, what's the thing? Like the, you know, if you get married at a a Catholic church, it's like pre-canna or something it's called. I know what you're talking about. Where it's, like, not therapy, but it's, like, something that you have to do with the priest before you get married. And I have a feeling that Jen's church probably offers something similar. Yeah. But the idea that Ryan would go to something for four hours. (laughs) The idea that something... Jen is literally asking him for the most bare minimum possible thing, like, to help themselves. One four-hour workshop. (laughs) Yeah, but, like, like for you and I, we'd be like, okay, I'll schedule it. When do I have four? But for them, they're like, four hours. To talk yeah. about what? And Jen, Jen's not a stupid woman. Never call Jen a stupid woman, because she says, you know, if you do that, I'll help you with the wedding, and I'll pay for your honeymoon. Yeah. You know, Jen would have been so fucking happy if Macy and Ryan got, actually got married. I mean, that's all she wanted. Jen, like I just said, Jen is not a stupid woman. She understood that Macy was going to be an excellent mother and a de- a pretty good wife. Yeah, I yeah, I think that she she definitely saw a lot of herself in Macy. Mm-hmm. Macy's Macy's got a great friend group. She's 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 a guys girl and a girls girl, which is right. almost unheard of. And I probably respectful in their house. She comes oh. from a nice family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think what okay, I think what Jen has and I would guess Larry too, because we know Larry agrees with Jen on a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. What I would bet is that they understand that Ryan can get any girl he wants, as in like any hot girl. You know, like Ryan's never, Ryan's never going to be hurting for a pretty girl. I bet he had pretty girlfriends. 
his whole life. You know, he's like 21 at this point because he's like three years older than Macy, I think. That's right. So he, I bet from fifth grade on, you know what I mean? Like Ryan always had a pretty girlfriend and they're never worried about Ryan getting a pretty girlfriend or his ability to get a girlfriend or his ability to find some girl to marry him. I think what they saw in Macy was her ability to be a good mother, a good partner, a hard worker, share their family. Part of the family had very similar values to them. Like, I think that they understood that for Ryan, she was the full package and that he had kind of lucked into knocking up the best of probably all the girls that he brought around. Because think of like a lot of the girls that we see, you know, I watched that episode from season two. Dallas was nice, but I don't know. I think that- Was she like Jen wanted? Did you think? <laughs> yeah, I think that right. Yeah, they didn't like Dallas because they thought she was too controlling. She was like weird and kind of quiet and like didn't like to be as part of their family as much. Um, I think that Ryan's whole life is like these pretty girlfriends that they think are dumb, mm-hmm. pretty girlfriends that they think are mean, pretty girlfriends that don't fit in with their family. You know what I mean? And I think Macy, Jen was like, we need to lock this down. <laughs> yeah. And also, how terrible. Do you, first of all, do you even believe that Macy got pregnant when she lost her virginity? No, I think, and I think that they don't present it that way because I think she said I lost my virginity and then shortly after I was pregnant. No, that's not, her exact wording was that she lost her virginity and got pregnant. Like, talks about this. But I don't believe that. I think that's something she told her parents. And if it did happen, because I've known people it did happen, like, um, and what the worst fucking luck in the world? The worst luck. <laughs> like, I would... Ugh. Um, do you know what Ryan's doing for a living here? Is this what... No, I couldn't figure it out. What he was doing that would take him out of town for a full month. To learn parts? They were to learn new parts? What did Max says he does? He works on trucks or something? Maybe a mechanics episode. Uh, yeah, maybe... He, episode, sorry. Maybe a mechanic. Yeah. Max said he had like three visits. Oh, right, right, right. So maybe he did. Maybe that month was like a certification. Okay. okay. Not necessarily working. They were calling it working because the certification school center, whatever you want to call it, was where was he going? Somewhere in another state. Um, I'm also really shocked at how Ryan is interacting with Macy. I know I'm skipping around, but at the end of... Nothing really happens, so we can skip to the end. But at the end of her segment, the way they're hugging and stuff... By the way, that's a reenactment. They did not wait until the end of the night for for whenever he had to go or whatever. They were just like, okay, so what are you going to do if it's time for him to leave? Yeah. And they started filming it. But just the way he's interacting with her, I've never seen them. I forgot that they were sweet to each other at any point. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to remember that because they break up so quickly. Oh, because when she was pregnant, he made her get out of the car and put, like, pump gas or something? (laughs) Remember? (laughs) I mean, he's just, he's awful. And I also think Jen understands that. (laughs) Sure. So I never, so just seeing Ryan, because now he just sits and holds Chase and looks into the sky. I I think it's Chance, right? Yeah, I love all Chance. But... So, but like, I can't imagine him going to Maverick and hugging, kissing him and saying, I'll see you next month and blah, blah, blah. And I Maverick? Can't... You mean Mackenzie? Yeah. No, Maverick. Because he did, he went to uh, Bentley and said it to him is... You mean Mr. Jagger? Oh, his name is Jagger. Who's Maverick? Macy's son. Oh! <laughs> Maverick. Well, Maverick is John McCain. <laughs> Father of Megan McCain, in well, case you weren't sure. Can you imagine kissing John McCain like that? <laughs> I mean... 
one leg Jagger. Um, yeah, I just, no. I, I can't see any of this. So are we thinking that he's using at this point or just partying? Or? I think he's partying at this point. I think that he was probably smoking a lot of weed. Okay. Um, I think he was drinking a lot probably. And I bet he was taking pills. Now, what does that mean exactly? A pill here, a pill there. Sure. No, a Xanax here, an Adderall there, a perk 15 there, but not like taking pills every day. But now, like, I bet Ryan was that person that like if his friend had a pill at a party, he'd take it, you know? Is Ma- so I assume Macy's smoking a lot of weed. Is Macy taking I don't know if Macy's there? ever been a weed head. You can't, you don't think Macy ever smoked some weed? I can, I mean, I don't know, because I had a lot of friends throughout my time that were like Macy and that they drank a lot, like a lot, a lot, a lot, but just like never liked smoking weed. So they would like, they tried smoking weed throughout high school and they just never liked it. So they just didn't. Like I would always have those girlfriends that drank like Macy did, but just like didn't smoke weed, not because they, you know, were against it or they didn't have access to it. And they would have boyfriends that were potheads, but they just like didn't like smoking weed. They didn't like how it made them feel and much preferred drinking. Okay. All right. I'm just like, I'm, I'm trying to get a mind's eye in my head of what, like, they obviously party. They have a ton of friends. They, I, this is about the time that Macy was doing a beer bong in Florida and had to apologize on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, and they were both, Macy was very popular in high school. Definitely the kids that were at a party every weekend at someone's, you know, at someone's house, like they, they partied. And I would bet Ryan was partying a little harder than Macy at this point. And I I could believe that Macy smoked pot a couple times and didn't like it. And, like, maybe did coke a couple times. So, like, really doesn't fuck with drugs. And, like, just drinks. Because, I'm like, I know a lot of girls like that. And I guess a lot of guys, too. But I'm just thinking of girls because we're talking about Macy. And I would bet that at this point, she feels like her and Ryan's partying is very similar. But he's, like, taking the pill that's handed to him when she wouldn't. Mm-hmm. but like also, she's not thinking of it as being an issue because a lot of her friends are doing that too and for most of her friends it doesn't end up turning into an addiction like it does with ryan and we've always known she's been a big drinker remember that's how she met taylor she was playing beer pong she yep. to go throw up so she could drink some more and he held her hair yeah she was drinking while she was pregnant was it maverick yeah or- maverick okay so she was pregnant with maverick she was drinking then mm-hmm. she was doing like all sorts of things. So I know that she is a heavy drinker and the way you describe her makes a hell of a lot of sense. But so you're saying that in the scenes we're looking at um, Ryan right now, he's just, he might be high on weed, but he's probably keeping his partying to like off camera. And yeah, it's, I'm using this in quotes, his partying is under control and okay. probably still looks very similar to most of his friends his age. He is cute in this. Not my type, but I can tell that people go for him. Yeah, and you can understand why. Old. He's an old man now. He, uh, okay. Oh, one more thing I wanted to bring up. When Macy's sitting on that couch looking through wedding magazines with her friends, could you just imagine Max sitting there? Like, if she had been, if she was a little older, mm-hmm. yeah. If she, if she was a little older, she could have, she would have been friends with Macy. Oh, okay, though, this is my thing. I think she, I get what you're saying, but I think Mac in high school, like, I think if Macy and Mackenzie went to the same high school, Mackenzie would be the step down popularity wise. Okay, she'd be the me crowd. I think, yeah, the me crowd. 
No, the B crowd. <laughs> oh, the me crowd, though. Like, where I was. Where it's like, I have friends. Oh. Like, I went to some parties, but not every party. Like, I, you know what I, like, I had a group of friends, and, like, people knew who I was, but I definitely wasn't popular at all. And, like, if a party was big enough, I would hear about it, and, like, me and my friends would go, and, like, we kind of had our own little group of friends, but we definitely weren't, like, the most popular people at all. Although my school didn't really have, like, Popular, popular, because... I find it so shocking when you say that. I've heard you say that on here. It's just not how my... I don't know why. It just really wasn't, like, how my school was. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess, like, if I was, like, gun to your head, who were the most popular kids in your high school? Like, at the time, I could have told you, but it wasn't, like, a mean girls. Like, we had a leader of our grade at all. Like, the girl that was our homecoming queen my senior year was, like, a band geek. Okay. Because, like, her friends voted for her. And it was everyone was like, oh, yeah. her name was Happy. It Aww. is Happy. And it was like, oh, Happy one. <laughs> like, I thought you were about to tell me Happy died. No, Happy's good. I saw Happy not that long ago. She's good. Um, but we lived in the same neighborhood. But, and it wasn't, like, weird that she won. It wasn't, like, a cute over the popular girl. You know what I mean? Like, okay. you're like, oh, cool, Happy one. That's great. Like, nobody was like... <gasps> the unpopular girl won, even though if you looked at like the classic dynamics, you'd be like, that girl is a Christian band geek. (laughs) So you're saying that like part of it for me is that like Macy at this point is a young girl who just had a baby. And it's like, we're getting married and we're going to do this, do this. And Mac is very much that girl. And it's because of where they come from and the, and their values and that sort of thing. But you're saying that they've been in high school together, that, they may have known of each other, but they didn't. Hang, they wouldn't have hung out very much. They would have talked in class if they sat next to each other, but Macy wouldn't have invited Mackenzie to her parties because she okay. just wasn't quite cool enough. But if Mac found her way to the party, Macy would be like, hey, girl. Yeah, and she probably also still looks like a single middle-aged mother. Yeah, so, but does, does that make sense? So she was, I, yes. I could see Macy being like, the girl, like I said, at a party every single weekend, like they always had alcohol. They always, you know, like always knew what was going on where Mackenzie was like, would get invited to like five of those parties throughout the year. And like, it wasn't weird when she came, but she also wasn't part of, wouldn't be part of Macy's inner group would be my Wouldn't be the first person she calls. She wouldn't even think about like, oh, we're all going to spring break. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I also think, of Macy as a nice girl. Like, I think so too. I don't think Macy's particularly mean. I think that like, I'm not saying that she's not like Chelsea. I think Chelsea was. Yes. I think Chelsea was absolutely a mean girl. Um, she's the type of person that if she gets enough people around her, like egging her on that she could definitely do some mean shit. But I think Macy was the type of, she was very popular, but she say hi to a lot of people, Mm -hmm. you know, like she might even be friendly in class with the band geek, but yeah, for you know, sure. we're not coming to my party, but yeah, I, you're cool. I'll sit next to you. But like, not even on a spite, you're not coming to my party. You're just, you don't happen to be part of my friend group. Like, why would I, why would you even come? Because you're not a part of our group. Yeah, but I, I agree. I don't get mean girl vibe. Although I think that Macy can get swept up in it. Because I think she <laughs> did do some mean girl stuff. Like, I think when she shows up on Ryan's family vacation. <laughs> that was some... That guy's mine. That's my family. That's my kid. Or when she's mine, even though I'm with someone else. When she's sleeping with Ryan when he's with Dallas. Yeah, she definitely was. So Um, I think I think she has some tendencies, but in general, I agree with you. I don't think Macy's a mean person. I think that she, you know, does some shit. Yeah. Okay. 
So, I mean, that's pretty much all I have for this segment, that they, they were living together, they were going to get married, and that was it. Okay, let's go on to Amber. Okay. Who I felt, like, very claustrophobic during Amber's scenes. Because she was in those small places. She also had her blunt bangs <sighs> that made her face even rounder, which is why everyone thinks Amber weighed 300 pounds in the first season. Well, it's the same. I mean, if you hear the way people – people act like Chelsea weighed 300 pounds. Right. Right. People Chelsea are like, Chel- I literally have seen people on Reddit and it's like highly upvoted saying that Chelsea lost 100 pounds. Not true. You Chelsea can- lost 45 pounds. First of all, no one understands weight. No one understands true. that you can lose like 20 pounds like a whole motherfucking different person. Like you can't. Yeah. It's 20 pounds and not look different at all. Yeah. It's, it just depends on what's going on. Chelsea it's- just had a very, she carries her weight in her face and wore the craziest baggy clothes. Yeah. And I think the same way. I think Amber's carrying her weight in her face. Yeah. And then she's got this blunt um, bang that really makes her even more round. You know, and even to this day, I feel like Amber is a weight in her face type of person with unflattering clothes because season to season like this season i keep thinking like amber looks so thin and tiny and petite and i think part of it is that her hair looks good yeah okay i know that sounds crazy but like i think back to that season the last season with matt where she had her hair in that her hair was that awful blonde and she wore it in that tight tight bun all the time and she looked way heavier and even though i bet she's her eyes back and it made her eyes look close together it very much made her face look, and that's what we associate with overweight people that their eyes, like, you know what I'm saying? That someone's yeah. so plump that their eyes, you can't even see their eyes, but she has hooded eyes and then she was pulling her hair back. Yeah. So I think like Amber is just one of those people that like carries a lot of weight in her face and like 10 pounds, you can be like, Amber looks so tiny and cute. And then like with an extra 10 pounds, you're like, oh, Amber's gained weight again. And Amber was shopping exclusively at Rainbow. Oh my god, Rainbow! They just opened a Rainbow not far from me, and I'm they gonna go. Did? Yeah, in Texas, and Rainbow. I've only seen them in the East. Like I, I didn't even know Rainbow still existed. Rainbow still exists, and I wanted to go in there so fucking bad. And my husband was like, "You're legit gonna go in a Rainbow?" I was like, "No, I guess not." <laughs> not like, I just want to see. <laughs> They always had the best maxi dresses. I'm sorry. They just did. And they were super cheap. And you could just throw them on. And it felt like you were wearing pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. So they live in like a, like a filthy, shitty apartment. Like they're filthy. poor. So fucking filthy. Because before this, they lived with Gary's mama, right? Yeah, I think that must be where they love, they're living. I'm going to do her 16 and pregnant eventually. But I'm actually not sure where they lived on her 16 and pregnant. Filthy. Shits everywhere. Um, Amber, my favorite part of the whole fucking episode was Leah biting the shit out of Amber in that spoon. <laughs> it's just like, I think like it was a dirty apartment that they moved into. You know what I mean? Like where no matter how much you cleaned it, like that was a dirty apartment. And they had used furniture. Like, I'm not, hate, please, almost all my furniture has always been used. Like, don't get me wrong, but they were poor. And like, it's- That sh- was a Renaissance couch, babe. That was a Renaissance couch. And that dark blue on that, a shiny dark blue on a wall always looked incredibly cheap and filthy. Like, the wall was filthy, and they were like, what are we going to do? Paint it. Okay? So that's what, that's what it looked like. Poor Amber is, like, her scenes were stressful to me, because you could just, like, feel her 
stress like radiating off her body. Okay, but I have a couple of problems with Amber in this episode. And the first one is when Gary comes home, he did not bring diapers. He should have. Well, fuck it. He didn't bring diapers. And she formula and he wants him she wants him to go get the formula and take the baby with him and i'm like nobody wants to take a baby anywhere you can't take a baby on a short trip because it's not even fucking worth it you might as well be out all day i said amber get your ass up take his car go get the formula go to chipotle go get a pedicure he wouldn't see me till nine o'clock at night the baby be asleep by the time i got that like leave the house that's what you asked for true i don't i didn't even think about that but yeah, she does and, drive. Remember, when she runs away from him later. Not runs away, but goes to a motel. Like they break up, and she remember when baby to a motel. Wait, I will never forget watching that live, and my boyfriend at the time laying in his bed watching that and laughing so hard. We were probably so stoned when she calls the motel that she's paying. I think she was paying like seventy five dollars a week to stay, yeah. like under a hundred dollars a week, and asked them if they had a crib for the baby. Yes. And we had tears coming down our faces because we just thought it was so funny. It's probably rude looking back. Like, we just, like, we're like, this bitch is, like, going to live in a fucking, like... That's probably a crack motel. A crack motel, and she's calling to see if they have cribs for the baby. And they're like, what? I can picture so clearly watching that scene for the first time, the two of us just, like... Losing our so fucking stupid. minds. It was so stupid. Gary could have went home to his mama's house and you could have stayed in that apartment. I do not know why you thought you were going to pack up a little baby and go. When, guys, when we say a crack motel, I know that some of you may not know what that is, but it's a place where drug addicts live. Where you can rent a hotel by the week, by the hour. Yeah, and it's just, and a lot of times drug addicts live there. People do sex work out of there. Yeah. Like, all kinds of stuff. Like when there's an intervention episode where a girl meets her pimp at the, um, at this hotel because this weekend she's just going to stay up in the hotel, get high, and he's going to send people to the room and she's going to fuck them and they'll leave. And then like, he'll just send as many as he can get to go there. And she's yeah. going to make a lot of money. That's the type of hotel we're talking about. And baby, they don't have cribs there. <laughs> no. Baby's so still just, here. <laughs> you see the preview for the new intervention? I have not. It's going to be in Kensington in Philadelphia, which is the largest open uh, like drug market in the country. And it's like opiates have like devastated this neighborhood, especially this one Pacific area I I, in the neighborhood. I, I an article about it. I'm sure you did. It's where I used to cop sometimes. And it's going to be on inter- the whole intervention season. Yeah. And I love that they're doing intervention now. They are doing mm-hmm. all sorts of, they're like connecting people. And I saw one where they, where the father, the two sons, were homeless together and they were but then they didn't realize that the mother was using it even though she was trying to get them off then at the intervention the father is like listen i'm gonna shoot up one more time okay before i go and he there's a cousin that's been sober for like two years he shoots him up and nobody knows about it but they find out about it and so they're like okay well you know this is incredibly dangerous i'm not gonna let you leave because i know you're gonna get high again like you need to go right now too because (laughs) And he's like, I'm the bad guy now. I'm like, (laughs) he went and found them while they were homeless and stuff. And they're talking to him. He's like, they're like, are you having cravings? He's like, no, I just remember being homeless out here with them. And then the dad, I don't mean this in like a terrible way, but it's the only way I can describe it. It felt like the dad was going off the rehab and like 
took him with him. Like, it was just like, bam. Yeah, took him out. Yeah, took him out. Like, like it was, they're doing really great stuff in interventions. I know this is like their 30th season or whatever, but they're doing- Well, they've had to modify it because everybody would think, people would figure it out. Yeah, they're doing great stuff. And so, yeah, I'm excited for that. And I know you need to do a bonus episode about it after the season's over so you can like- Yeah, I definitely will. Um, So- Amber, there is a funny scene where they're talking about Leah crawling around and uh, Gary says that he need, they need to put pants on her if he's going to do that because they ain't got no Persian rugs. <laughs> no, he says no Persian carpet. I know. And I'm like, yeah, your carpet probably has um, bed bugs. In. Like, it probably, like, <sighs> I mean, yeah, I got bed bugs from watching their scenes. <laughs> yeah, it was fucking terrible so the one thing amber is talking a lot about being a stay-at-home mom and being isolated she's right um if you have a small baby and you're staying at home and you're a teenage it is incredibly isolating but part of the problem and she takes she takes leah out and leah's crying she's a fucking baby but amber is not handling it the right way and it's because she's a teenager what she needs to do is she needs to make friends with other people her age that means you go to the ymca or someplace i say the ymca because it's a cheap place. That's what I mean. You you get your you get into that mommy and me fucking group so you can meet other people and you can make friends with someone who has a kid that age so that you guys can hang out while your babies cry off to play together. You Yeah, find, she doesn't even know to do that. And that's what's the sad part. Because she's a kid. And yeah. you find a church with a Mother's Day out and where they'll do free or low cost, they'll watch your baby for four hours every Tuesday or something like that, and you get some time to yourself, like, you do shit like that, you find Cousin Crystal and see if she'll watch your fucking kid, because I think Cousin Crystal has kids by now. Like, yeah, because her kids are older than Kale's, are around the same, or Amber's, and they're around the same age. But that's how you handle it, you don't, like, everybody thinks that sitting at home with a baby's fun, you'll just be in your pajamas watching Law and Order, but it's not like that, it's soul-crushing sometimes. Yeah, for sure. And, yeah, and I mean, like, I doubt Amber's like, okay, I'm going to take the baby out on a walk every day just to yeah. get out of the house and get some endorphins, and she you doesn't know. know, and part of what's watching so hard with watching Amber is that it's just, like, a complete, complete lack of resources and a complete lack of, like... Even the idea, maybe I should go to the library and Google something. Well, that's what I'm saying, like, not re- even resources, like, financially, like, like community resources and an ability and knowledge to know how to access them. Yeah. I think like for me, when I'm talking to other parents, a lot of them, I'm like, guys, you're the first person to do this. You are not the first person. Like get on the internet and find out what am I supposed to do at home alone with a baby all day? (laughs) Yeah. I just, I don't think Amber was very intelligent and didn't even know that she should look out for that. No. And so she comes off immature in the way she's talking to Gary because Gary's the only one working. He's a shit, okay? We're very close to Gary time, okay? But, but he says, I need to go because I met a girl at Walmart and I need some Gary time. Oh, God. But at the same time, he's the only one working. And yet you're, every time he goes to work, you're acting like he's left you. Mm-hmm. And the fact is, your baby's so small to even put her in daycare costs a million dollars. So you have to be here. Yeah. Because you guys can't afford it. So, yeah. So clean up something. Pick up something. Like, yeah, I mean, she's just so depressed. Yeah. Has such bad anxiety. And at this point is already deep in a drug addiction. That's right. That's what we're thinking. So can you tell me about Klonopin? What is that? Oh, it's Xanax. 
Okay. Now, I've never even heard about it except for intervention. People get fucked up on them. It's like, the same thing as, I mean, it's not the same exact thing as Xanax, but it's a benzo. You get, you take it in within a very short amount of time. You feel very, very good. It's like a, I guess a good way to describe how a Xanax or Klonopin are really an, or an out of hand. So like benzos make you feel is like, I would say it's like a better weed. Okay. Like really mellow. And really just like- mellow. You're like, you calm down, you're tired, but it's like a full body high. Like you get, okay. t- like it's a full body tingle. So it's not like, but it, it's almost a little close. It's kind of, I don't know if everybody would agree with this, but it has kind of like the best of being drunk because it makes you like loosey goosey and like, <laughs> like that. But it also gives you like, a, a high feeling as opposed to a drunk feeling. Okay. So I see why people get really addicted to it. I mean, you feel fucking incredible. Like it's really, I mean, there's a re- <laughs> it's extremely fast acting, you know, so you take it and you feel good very quickly. You, yeah. it relieves you of all stress and anxiety. Um, it, can, so like, it knocks you out. So you sleep. So like if you were stressed out, you could just take one of these pills and it would start acting very quickly. Yes, but it's like most other drugs need to be able to tolerance to it quickly. Uh, and, but you feel good and you, I mean, you have slurred speech. That's why it's closer to like a drunk and that like you have slurred speech. It affects your memory. You know, like when you get stoned, you're like, ha ha like I'm a little slow right now. I'm a little stoned, man. Like it's like that. But so Xanax is more of like a, like a, like a slurred speech, like, you're a little like off kilter, like you definitely couldn't drive on it. Not saying that you should drive while you're stoned on weed, but it, it's just, it's a lot more of like a sloppier feeling than it is when you're on weed. Okay. Now, do you think, so this is 2009 when this came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lee was born in November of 2008. Um, do you think that now it would be very easy to walk into someone's office and be like, I have anxiety attacks? So two years, even for being a single teen mom, even though my kid is only like six months old. And obviously if I'm having panic attacks from two years ago, it was not about being a stay at home mom. (laughs) Yeah. It would be easy to get them to be like, okay, here are some clients. So I don't know because I don't doctor shop like that anymore, but I will tell you that that's always how well, I was always very, very good at getting drugs. And I had our like family doctor growing up would like give me any drug I wanted. And it was usually just from being like, I have anxiety. I'm, or I'd be like, I'm not getting a lot of sleep. And so she'd like put me on Ambien, which is an extremely strong sleep aid. Or I would, I was like, I'm having trouble concentrating. So she like put me on Xanax. And once my freshman year of college, I like called my mom and told her I was like having trouble concentrating. So this is insane. My mom called my doctor, my general practitioner, not a psychiatrist, and told her I was having trouble concentrating. I was getting 20 milligrams of uh, Adderall at the time, instant release, which anybody listening is like, oh, that's a good dose. And she just- a big dose. (laughs) For instant release, it's a pretty big dose. And she just doubled my script. So I would take one in the morning and one in the afternoon. Mm Mm-hmm. Not princess- my mom called her for me because I was at school. She didn't even speak to you because now you have to like. But it was like, because it was my, you know, I'd been seeing her for years at this point and she'd been giving me whatever drugs I wanted. Like, so, and that was, so if that was my freshman year of college, that was like 2006, 2007. Like she just 
doubled my script. I remember um, the pharmacist being like, oh, we need to like insurance to verify this because they're like, and I was like, <gasps> and they're like, okay, great. And I'll, I remember I got that towards the end of the semester and I like sold almost that whole script because I didn't actually need that much Adderall. Um, and that's when I got really badly addicted to Adderall because I got like, I was all of a sudden getting double the amount of Adderall that I was getting. And she also, I mean, up until 2013, that must've been 2013, I had had an asthma attack and I went into her office and part of my asthma is like, when I get, when I start having an asthma attack, I get a lot of, I have a panic attack at the same time because asthma attacks are very scary and it like flips me out. Mm-hmm. And she like, I, so I was, I went in my, cause I called my doctor and I was like, should I go to the emergency room? And she's like, no, you probably just need the nebulizer. Like just my doctor's office is right across from the, emer- like the closest emergency room to me at the time. So she's like, just come to the office because you would have to drive here anyway and come into the office and then I'll put you on the nebulizer right away and it'll be easier and better. And she walked by me and she was like, and she was like, do you have a Xanax script? And at the time I did, I had an Ativan script and I was like, yeah, like I've Ativan from my psychiatrist. And she was like, oh, okay. I was going to write you a Xanax script because obviously like this is panic too. Yeah. That's so a lot. She also, we could talk forever about this. She got, um, approved to subscribe and prescribe. And I think she was making a lot of money off of this, Suboxone towards <gasps> the end of me seeing her. And at five o'clock when I would be in there for the doctor, like the whole the whole um, waiting room would be people obviously waiting for their Suboxone. And she was making a shit ton of money off of that, I think. Because it wasn't really approved by insurance at the time. Because this was, like I said, like 2012, 2013. And it just wasn't as easy to get at the time as it was now. But she, so there are doctors like this. And so that was like, you know. Like my experience, because I, so I have all these foster kids. Most of them have ADHD. Mm-hmm. Um, um, most of them are on some sort of thing. And we also have behavioral, we have CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy yeah. that, to work on um, the, behaviors. the behaviors. Because this is something I didn't know before because I had no experience with ADHD at all. Um, my husband has it. He's unmedicated and we don't know what the fuck. Like it's just, he's even yeah. scared to go to the doctor and even talk about it because he's afraid they're going to be like, you're a drug addict. Mm-hmm. So, so um, my... I did not realize, one, that, like, I always thought you could just, like, give someone a pill and it'd be fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't realize you had to have cognitive behavioral therapy. I did not realize how controlled the substance was. It's a pain in my ass trying to get. It's the fucking more. You had to go every single month to the fucking doctor to write you scripts. Because right, because they can't. Refill. It's they so can't fucking annoying. I have to call. I have to then. <sighs> They got to make sure it's sent in. Then the pharmacy's got to double check. And then all these things happen. You have to see them every three months. Now seeing a psychiatrist every three months with a six-year-old, like. I think I, my psychiatrist used to make her go to her. My doctor doctor would write me multiple scripts at a time and I would just hold on to them. My psychiatrist would make me go see her every fucking month to get my scripts. Well, maybe she wanted her license. So. <laughs> also, she wanted the $80 copay that I had to pay every That's month. True too. And so, like, I'm, and so I'm just now learning more and more about ADHD, about ways to help children with this. They have and them on Adderall or Vyvanse? They have them on Adderall. Vyvanse did not work in any way, shape, or form. My kids are on a high dose. Mm-hmm. Um, 
we will not make it let it be any higher i'm just like i just can't do it i yeah i'm terrified and i mean just all kind of, but I, so that's the other thing so you once told me we talked about colin gosling and we talked about what we thought he had and you were like he probably has what we thought he was diagnosed with not what he has that got him into that mm-hmm. uh, medical setting you told me that adhd it's probably he probably has adhd but adhd has a lot of what looks like misbehaviors because of impulse control, not even realizing that you're doing things, anger, things like that. I mean, sometimes it can almost present as schizophrenia. Right, because it seems like they're doing... They're hearing voices. It seems like it sometimes. Right, and then with the difference, the psychiatrist was talking to me, she was like, the difference between ADHD and ODD, which is oppositional defiant disorder, is that kids with ADHD do... misbehave in ways but they always they know it's wrong they're usually very sorry about it they, yeah. if you ask them about it they can almost describe like not even realize that that's what they were going to do it just happened mm-hmm. but he odd may have the same behaviors but their experience is i did it because i wanted to and you're not going to stop me well 25 percent of people with odd di- diagnoses get like antisocial personality disorder diagnosis that's true. when they grow up and you get all these other, like, we talked about borderline, all these other things. Mm-hmm. But so I'm now like, the when I listen to you talk about ADHD on this um, podcast, I'm always super interested because I'm just like working on these things myself. I'm like, okay, well, we have to set up the world this way because of the way he sees this. And my understanding is that when we get to pre-puberty, mm-hmm. it's going to look different because it's not going to be hyperactive anymore. It's going to be more like, I can't follow these six steps. You're going to have to be like, do this and come back to me, do that and come back to me. It's, I'm not going to be able to be what do they call it. Your executive functioning. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. That type of stuff is going to be hard for me. That's how it presents for me. But yeah, but you, I think of you as someone who kind of has their shit together. Now maybe that's like my perception, but I feel like you're someone who plans things. You're someone who. So I think. Yeah, go ahead. It, I think part of that is that I went to, a specialized school for kids with ADD and learned like a lot of coping ah, skills okay. for it that I've like implemented. Like, I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast, but like, you so talked about were, going to a special school. There were like 10 kids in my grade, let's say, right? And every kid in the school, but per grade two, would get a three ring binder at the beginning of the year. And you had to use that binder the whole year and it would be broken up into subjects. And every day they would check your binder and like make sure your binder was organized. So like they taught you how to organize a binder because I didn't understand how to organize things. It's um, not intuitive to you, right? It's just no, like- but now, uh, now I know how to do it. But like they taught me how to do that. Um, we also had a class called like study skills and they taught us how to make note cards to study. Um, things like that. Like I had to be taught how to do a lot of things that like most kids can figure out on their own. Right. And so I think that if I hadn't have done that, um, I don't know if I ever would have developed that skill as an adult. Um, I think that I was able to develop that because I went to this special school, particularly this one special school for two years. Mm-hmm. And it really like I, they really like taught me how to do homework every night. Like 
I just like didn't know how to do anything. They taught me accountability more, but I still struggle with a lot of that stuff. Um, I just don't, I guess I just like don't talk about it that much, Mm -hmm. but like for me, it's like, I have to be a planner because like, that's the only way things get done. Right. Um, and it, I also like, I don't know. Sometimes I wonder like, do I really ADD or did my PTSD from being molested as a kid just like present as ADD. Sure. And then you also have like, um, okay. So my perception of you, Liz, is that Mm -hmm. you grew up fairly well off. I'm not saying you were like stinking rich, but you never had upper middle class for sure. Upper middle class for sure. And that my understanding is you have a lot of resources. You have a mother who, um, is very liberal and very understanding about things and that like you could be like I need some birth control and she'd be like okay let's go get it I mean that special school I went to cost $25,000 a year to send me to okay so like my understanding is that like which I don't say that to brag I say that because I look back as an adult and it's like I don't I literally don't understand how people could ever afford that. right and you're like uh, if I had a kid right now how the fuck would I send them to right. do you think about how old you are versus how old your mother was when she had you and stuff yeah my cousin and I talk about this my cousin Brian and I had a long talk about this about the the downward mobility of our generation absolutely so like I'm thinking that maybe you're going to doctors that were more open to things mm-hmm. uh, what one of the things I worry a lot about with the kids that I have is that a lot of them, so when you go into foster care, guys, you have, um, you have to do three appointments in 30 days. You have to get an initial where everyone see, they like examine you to see what ailments you might have. Maybe you have broken bones, maybe any of that stuff Then you have to get a, like a psychological exam. I mean, I'm, I'm using layman terms, but it's, it's a comprehensive psychological exam. And then you have to do a wellness thing. And these, these all have to be done within 30 days after being brought into foster care. And a lot of kids are diagnosed with ADHD. And I think to myself, okay, well, some of those people are being diagnosed with ADHD because of other things that are happening. For sure. And then also on your end, maybe you got diagnosed with things because your parents are going to, you know, they're well off. They're going to doctors that are like trying to please people. They're like, yeah, I can give you a pill for this. And So I think that what happened with me was that my brother is extremely smart and very, very good at school. Mm-hmm. And I think right away they could tell that I had issues. And I think they like weren't sure how to manage me and not just, but like it wasn't just school issues. Like I'd really, I was just like, I lied a lot. Like I had really bad behavioral issues. ADHD kids lie all the time. Yeah. I, and my, I like, my mom would be like, I have such a clear memory of being like four and my mom being like, why are you lying? And me being like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I like, literally know what the truth is. I could easily tell you, but somehow this thing came out of my mouth. Yeah, life was very frustrating for me because I felt like I kept doing the wrong thing and I didn't understand why. Mm-hmm. And I never had like an understanding why. So I don't know how my parents got the test, but I went through like full testing and I actually didn't go on medicine until I was 15 because oh. I asked to go on medicine because a friend had given me Adderall and I liked it. <laughs> but- so also... Wait, also there's something else you always say that I never forget. That people say you can't get high off of Adderall if you have ADHD. Oh yeah. You say that is not true. <laughs> of course That's it's not true. So what so is it that the amount you take? It's a fucking stimulant. Yes. So the this is the thing. You can't get high off of a therapeutic dose of Adderall. If you have ADHD. If you have ADHD and you take a therapeutic dose of Adderall, which means 
usually the amount that your doctor prescribed you because usually a doctor's prescribing you what's known as a therapeutic dose. And they step up, they try small and they try they to start it. you at like five milligrams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody, almost everybody starts between five and 10 milligrams. It's very rare to start at more. Maybe with XR, because I think most people get XR extended release now, it's a little different. But like I know when I got prescribed, I started at five and then I went to 10 and then I went to 20. Um, and then I went to 40. <laughs> oh God, 40. But, I can't believe you had 40. <laughs> and it's, it's truly insane. But you start off at a small dose and you just don't get like, if it, it's a medicine. So you take the, what's known as the therapeutic amount and you don't get high off of it, but it's a stimulant. <laughs> right. And if you take enough of it, like if your dose is 20 milligrams and you say you don't get high off of Adderall, I believe you take a hundred milligrams and let me know if you're high. Cause you're going to be high. Right. Okay. Like it's a, it's a stimulant. That's just what it is. And people always try and argue this. And it's just, it's not true. It would be like saying, I don't get high off of cocaine. Yeah. See, I think about this all the time because, you know, I, I know that I am responsible for these people's medical welfare. So I try to keep them on as little drugs as I can, mm-hmm. like without being an asshole and just being like, yeah. no drugs. I try to be like, okay, well, if we can do five, let's do five. I yeah. try I'm like hearing you talk about that special school school makes me so happy because that's the type of stuff that I'm having to work on. Like literally, mm-hmm. like I'm so different from that. Like you didn't have to teach me how to use note cards. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, yeah. just, like, oh. no, like somebody had to teach me like how to highlight things. Right. And so sometimes I get frustrated because I'm like, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. You don't know what's going on. We do this every day. And I have to remind myself there's a reason this person looks confused and they're trying really hard. I see it in their face. They're trying so hard, but they look like they've never even seen me before. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I still like spelling. I'm a very, very bad speller. And like, you can tell me to sound out a word and I don't really know how to describe it to people, but I'm like, I, I can't like that to me, like spelling out a word doesn't mean anything. The, the way that I know how to spell is that I've memorized how to spell words. And autocorrect? autocorrect helps a lot, but like, so license was one that was, this is just like off the top. License was very hard for me to figure out how to spell. And so I like memorized how to spell license. Um, there's like, I can spell out, like if I really stop and I slow down and I try really hard, I can like semi spell out some stuff, but I'm an extremely bad speller because my brain just like doesn't I don't know how to like associate letters and sounds together to correctly spell things out in English. Like that to me, I just don't know how to do that. I know we have to get back to the show, but I just want, I guess what I'm trying to say is that for me who started, like, I, I don't know you Liz. I've never seen you in real life. You can walk past me and I would not know it was you. I literally don't know what you look like, but I started off listening to this show and I know sometimes you get comments and reviews to the contrary, but I really enjoy when you talk about your own experiences because I think of you as someone today who has really got a handle on what she's doing. And so to know that you came from this and to know that, listen, I also had a drug addiction. I also did this. I also did that. But today, you know, I go to work every day in hot yoga and I know how to plan a trip. <laughs> and those, I think those things are really inspiring. So like, if you're listening to this guys and you hate what Liz 
talks about her ADHD. I don't know what to tell you. It's like one of the most interesting things that happens on the show. I will say that I think there is a strong correlation between ADHD and drug addiction. Um, I, I think so too. I think everyone I've spoken to has said that because um, not just because like the pills we get is like, well a little bit. So I think if you like go into an AA meeting, like a lot of people in there will tell you that they have ADD. But for me, what I think is that like especially Adderall or Xanax, like these pills that I found when I was a teen, I think that that was the first time in my life that I had felt normal. And I think ADD gives you a very strong sense of not feeling normal um, and not and feeling frustrated a lot. Like I would say like frustration was a big feeling in my childhood um, and just being very, very frustrated by the world around me. And I think that for me, finding drugs like that really became my solution because it was like the first time in my life that I was able to feel normal and felt like I could function and felt like I could do stuff. And I really was able to link the drugs to that. And so that made me not scared of doing drugs. I see. Because you're like, this is how I get to that normal feeling. Yeah. And I think with ADD comes anxiety for a lot of people with ADD. I, I don't really understand how you can have ADD and not have anxiety yeah. because you have like an acute understanding of like shit's not going the way it's supposed to. And like, you don't know how to make it go the way you're supposed to. And I think anxiety develops alongside of that almost always, because how could it not, how could you like not have anxiety when you understand that you're failing school and you're 10, you know what? Like everyone else sees it this way. And yeah. why don't you see it that way? Yeah. How, how can anxiety not like be born from that? So for me, it was like finding Adderall and finding Xanax and finding weed, like kind of solved all of those things that were going on inside of my brain that made me felt like not normal and not able to function like everybody else. Mm-hmm. And that was like, okay, this is the solution to this. So I'm going to keep searching for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We didn't like when we talked about Valerie, I don't know what episode that was. Mm-hmm. We talked a lot about addiction. I just basically asked you a bunch of really personal questions and you answered all of them. <laughs> and I think people should like definitely go re-listen to that because I feel like you talk very, not well, but I, I just feel like you talk intelligently a lot about these things. And I don't know, for some of us who don't have any of those experiences, it's very interesting. And it's a way to build build empathy because it's really easy to be like like especially in this country we often we decide that people bad things happen to people because one they're not positive enough they're not being enough of a boss bitch they're not they're not waking up at 5 a.m doing push-ups like that's what we like you're poor because you're a bad person that's how you got to be that way so anything that can help us build empathy is always like you know, it's awesome. Yeah. Well, I was talking to my friend Fiona. She was asking me questions about something and she was like, I know it isn't your job. Like, and it had to do with like 12 steps and stuff. And she's like, I know it isn't your job to educate me. And I'm like, I really hate that we've like gotten to this place in dialogue, mostly online. Right. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, it's not my job to educate you. And like, in some cases, yeah, like we shouldn't expect like everyone to educate us constantly. But I really do believe in more of like a socialist, communist type of community. And I do believe it's my job to educate people because I have, yeah, I have the resources and I have the knowledge and on a platform like this, like I can educate people. And I'm not saying like you should like 
use all of your like emotions to educate people. Like, but I do think we've gotten to this dangerous place where we expect people just to know everything or figure it out on their own. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's, I think it's dangerous. I don't think that that's a, I don't like that discourse has gone that way, you know? And I think that really good. And it's funny to see it so much in leftist circles. Cause I think that really goes against like communism and socialism. I think that if we believe in that, you have to believe in educating others because we work together as a community. And I really truly believe in community-based learning. And it sounds silly, but like, that's how, like the amount I learned from like TV and podcasts and stuff like that is a lot. Like that's how I learned so much as a kid, like watching Eat Your Hollywood Story and like, <laughs> like all, like, but I really, I learned a lot from that. And I really value a lot of the stuff that I've like consumed from media. And I think it's very important that I, I don't really think of it as educating others, but I talk about my experience because like, how do you Google, like, does ADD and drug addiction like go together, like personal stories? You know what I, like, that's not something that you find on Google, but I can share that. And I think that's valuable. And I just think that my, not goal in life, but like, I just think it's very important to educate others. I think it is my job to educate others. And I, I don't know. I obviously it's a fine line. And I think if people come at you with bad intent, it's different. And I think that's where this, this slow or this motto of like, it's not my job to educate you came from responding to bad intent and that I understand. But I think that most people listening to this podcast would have good intentions and want to know more. And I do think it's like important that I share this with people and I want other people to share their stories with me. Should we go on to Caitlin? Yeah. Let's talk about Kate who looks like a toddler. <laughs> Those hoop earrings, <laughs> her hair, the braces. Oh, the braces. The just, just being so young that you're afraid to tell your gynecologist that you were having sex. Oh, well, to be fair, she admitted they're having sex. She just was not being honest about having unprotected sex because Tyler and Kate were having sex without condoms shortly after Carly was born. Sure. Which you, they were. sure. I mean, thank God she got that IUD put in, but they have this talk, like, what would we have done if we got pregnant again? And they're like, I don't know. <sighs> and it, uh, to me, though, that scene is so important because that's how people act. Yeah. That's why we get teens having multiple pregnancies. Yeah. Can because you imagine do that shit? Being so young that, though, that you're there because you're trying to stop having unprotected sex, but, like... Like now, like, okay, guys, I'll be 39 in a couple of weeks. There's nothing I won't tell a doctor. I'll be like, yeah. Could you like smell down there? Like I will, I'm all, I'm like, I paid a copay to be here. Can you imagine (laughs) that the gynecologist put an IUD in without doing a pregnancy test? I think they did one. I think we didn't see it. And I think Kate. Well, I guess if you're that early, like you couldn't, you wouldn't test anyway. I think Kate was saying. She was nervous because... Yeah, but why she was going to put it in? She was like, you haven't had sex since your last period, have you? But I think they still test... Because, you know, you don't... Nowadays, I don't know how... But I know now that I don't even see a doctor until they've done all the stats. They've taken the thing. They took the yeah. Thing, and then you see a doctor. I think they, they probably tested her back... She probably pissed in a cup back there. Or they did a, a quick blood test on her or something like that. That's, That's a good point. Because keep in mind... I don't know if all doctors do this, but I grew up, my dad was in the military. I had military insurance. I was always going to doctors on military bases. From the time I was 11 years old, I got my period when I was 11 years old while visiting my father in prison, my father in prison. 
And afterwards, every time I went to the doctor, the first thing they did was give me a pregnancy test. Like, I could be there for a basketball, like, um, you know, uh, one of those checks you get so you get a sports physical, they give me a pregnancy test. Anything. Like, I had to go in for some sort of vaccinations. They kept losing my vaccination records. I've been vaccinated so many fucking times, guys. But um, I had to go in for some vaccinations. And I remember them being like, okay, well, come back here and take your pregnancy test. So I went back there. And um, my mom's sitting out there. I was old enough to go in alone at this point. Um, and, I, and I don't know if they do this for everyone, but growing up, going to military doctors, I had to, every time I walked into a room with a doctor, a nurse had to be there and it had to be a female, no matter what sex of the doctor. There always had to be a second person in the room and it had to be a female. And it's just the rule. So when my mom stayed outside, I go back and she's like, did you take your pregnancy test? I was like, yeah. And they said it was positive. And she was so fucking pissed at me. I was like, that's what they said. It's positive. You're going to be a grandma. <laughs> like, you motherfucker. <laughs> but so I can imagine that they did all her vitals. They, they, they weighed her. They did the, you know, I'm asking you a bunch of questions. You're going to lie. Blah, blah, blah. And they took a pregnancy test. So, yeah. Yeah. So Kate gets her IUD and they have this talk about how they have no idea what they would do. And they even joke that if they got pregnant, they would like give it to Brandon and Teresa again. Which is like They would. People do it all the time. I, yeah, I know. I actually personally know someone who adopted both her kids out to the same family. Yeah. And they, like, you will get calls if you have adopted someone and that person's having another baby and they know that they that's either going to be taken away or they just want it to be adopted mm-hmm. they will like call you and be like i'm pregnant um i'm due in august could you meet me at the hospital yeah i mean it makes sense but then that's private rather than foster care yeah. and pricing is a lot different like you need to pay for hers it's it changes everything yeah so tyler and oh so kate's been staying at tyler and kim's house but she's going to move back to april and butch's and Tyler tells us that he's not speaking to Butch. She needs Butch to apologize to him. And Kate's like, well, I'm just, I don't know. I'm just like not going to talk about it. And Tyler says that he and Kate are very different and it's extremely frustrating to him. Well, what we're not saying is that Kate has nowhere else to go. Yeah. And that Kim and Tyler are telling her just to leave. Like this is not, we'll, we'll get like, as you get through these episodes, you'll get six, maybe seven episodes down and She's back at Kim's, and Kim, Tyler wants her to leave, and Mm -hmm. Kim comes down and is like, you gotta go. I do remember that. (laughs) So, like, that's what we're not talking, that's the elephant in the room, that Kim has nowhere to go. Yeah. so... They're acting like she's by choice just moving back to Butch and April. It's like she would ever do that. Yeah. But I, like, I'm really proud of Kate in this episode. But I also, I felt the way Tyler felt. Like, I'm not gonna have a conversation with Butch about being, about whether or not, about my personal choice that he has no, like, I have no reason to have a conversation with him. Yeah, I think Tyler feels like he's fake. And it's fake. It is fake because, like, if it were me, I would be like, Butch, you've never been a parent to anyone, so I'm not really sure why you think you could tell me how to do it, but go off, sis. Like, I think Kate sees it as keeping the peace, and what she's doing is people-pleasing, and Tyler sees it as being fake. And I think kind of they're both true because it is fake but at the same time it's like kate needs to live there so what's the point she's gonna scream at butch like what what is that every day who does that help yeah yeah and so 
So I'm just really proud of her when she when he's talking to her and she's just like, yeah, where I can see her, I'm gonna be able to see her twice a year. Oh, that was sad. <laughs> oh yeah, that was sad. Cause he's like, you're not gonna be able to see the baby. And she's like, yes, I will. And he's like, yeah, you have to schedule a visit. And she's like, yep, twice a year. And he's like, yeah, but you won't be able to feed it and take care of it and change diapers. And I'm like, but when did you ever fucking do that with your kids? Yeah. Um, I also think, I think you said this, that part of the reason Butch is so angry at this point is that he saw Tyler and Kate giving up, I almost said Nova, giving up Carly as them rejecting, being like, this life isn't good enough for anybody. Yeah. For uh, I mean, they literally said that. It's like. Not- uh, it's it's a hundred percent right. I think that Butch, in his selfish mind, was so mad that Tyler had the nerve to be like, "I want my baby to have a better life." Right, and also Butch is using. Yeah, actually, most of the time we see Butch on camera ever on Team Mom, he's been using. Yes, um, he's he's so very tell it in this episode versus what we've been seeing for the last season. Yeah, when he drives up in that fucking van. And that fan. <laughs> her brother's so small. Do you see her brother? Yeah, he was like four, maybe littler. He's so small. And remember, they have to tell us again that their parents are married, but they're not related because that was the thing. Because after they're 16 and pregnant, everyone's like, what's going on? Yeah. There's brother and sister. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, the part that was really, ch- really chilling to me was after Butch was just being a total asshole to Kate. A- April like puts her arm around her and she goes, "Glad you're home, Kate." Like, she's kind of smiling. Like, yeah, but in but like in a tone that was like she was like, "Ugh, this asshole." But it's like, get this asshole out of your house. Yeah, he's screaming at your like. Butch just has nothing to do with you. You yeah. aren't gonna be a grandparent anyway. What are you I, talking like, about? There's no way that they're like Butch is contributing anything to that house. Like I guarantee you they're living on April's like section eight yep. and welfare. Cause Absolutely. she's a kid that Absolutely. she's in custody of. Well, maybe not. Cause she's married to him. Oh yeah, that's true. Oh, that was stupid. Why would she get that was stupid? I happened to a friend of mine that she was, she got, she had section eight. She got married to this guy. She got kicked out of her section eight because um, they consider you, you, yeah. you now like income. Yeah. yeah come. And he like left her like two days later. And it's so hard to get Section 8 in New York City. Oops. Oh my God. That was crazy for her to get. I married. would, we would, we, I would have never married him. No. Ever. Live here forever, Bill. Yeah. You, but be gone on the third because that's when the inspectors come. <laughs> you take your shit with you. You can't unpack. Yeah. You just keep all your shit in this little bag here so you can go real quick. <laughs> Make sure you take the toothbrush too. <laughs> Because they go in the closet, they do all that yeah. shit. Yeah. So, keep that shit, please. So I bet you she's not on Section 8, but I bet it's, there's some disability situations. I find it hard to believe Butch is contributing anything to that home. Me too. I, 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 she might get food stamps. And so, and, you know, for April to be like, oh, this asshole, like she doesn't let her boyfriends beat up on Kate, Kate's whole life. Right. It's just right. so, it's so sad and chilling and it really shows like, I don't know. These scenes are just like, it's actually, it's remarkable where Kate is today. I was going to say, it's remarkable how little has changed. How they're talking about Butch. How Tyler's like, he needs to come to me. Yeah, that's true. I just mean in terms of like Kate not being like fucking dead from a heroin overdose. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I, 
but and you're we right. Should, we should think about that more often because well, how we think about Kate and Tyler is as failures, right? Yeah. Because they were supposed to do all these things, but they never did them. I'm somebody that doesn't, like, people get so mad about that. And I'm like, they're po- they were poor teenagers. Like, of but, course they weren't going to college. Like, but, of course they weren't graduating. Yeah, two years later, they were getting, the two of them, by the way, unlike the other girls, where it's just one getting these big paychecks. The two yeah. of them were getting big paychecks. And they had, and suddenly they had opportunity. The yeah. problem is that they have never addressed the trauma yeah. bond the two of them have. Oh, no. Also, Tyler posted something on Instagram that he went for, to college for two years, and I'm like, no, he didn't. Transcripts, bitch. Fucking liar. Fucking liar. He took, like, one was, class a semester for two years. Maybe. maybe when it was off the air? Maybe. I don't think so. <laughs> he I did not so. do two full years worth of college. But think about how these guys were portrayed. They were going on the same tours that Macy was going on, or similar ones. And they were like, there. We gave our child away. Um, I don't want to say that because you place a child for adoption, you don't give it away. You, she placed. We placed her child for adoption because we want a better lives for ourselves. We have all these big plans. This what like this was supposed to be the inspiring story of this entire thing. Um, and now we look at them now. I don't think of them as failures, but I do often wonder, like, what these kids would think of Tyler and Kate today. I think. Yeah, I get what you're saying, but I'm not so sure they would think so negatively because I don't think that either one of them really had a passion to do anything. I think they just wanted to change their circumstances, and I think they did change their circumstances in that they have a big, beautiful home. They're married. They have children. Tyler thinks he's a snack now. Yeah, I think that they actually wouldn't be disappointed because I think that their only goal was like not being poor and not living their parents' lives. They're not poor. They don't live their parents' lives. Tyler is Kim, but he doesn't see it yet. <laughs> yeah. I, and I think that they achieved that. So I think they would be like, okay, cool. And Great. we're still together. They take that as, that is a huge accomplishment for them. Yeah. They're still together. Cause it's not like they wanted to go to college because they cared so much about learning and doing better and having careers. No, they just were like, we don't want this life that our parents have. I don't want to be. I don't want to yeah. What are we supposed to say? What has every school teacher told us that in order to get out of this boat, like this podunk town, what do we need to do? We need to go to college. Okay, so we're going to go to college. So, Liz, if you had your picks and chooses, mm-hmm. I feel like we've talked about the episode and we're done. <laughs> I agree. There was Amber, though. We saw his sister, Amber. She had the biggest hoops on. Yeah, I mean, it was, a style it was same shit, same shit, where she was like, you just gotta forgive him, he's your dad, he's your family. Yeah, um, so if you got to choose what happens next for these guys, the best, like, from this period, from this first episode on, in your best case scenarios, what would you have Kate and Tyler do? If I, I mean, I would have them go to, like, vocational school. Okay. I think that would have been more realistic than college. I think Tyler could have became a mechanic. Kate could have okay, become a hair- what? You could have become a contractor. Yeah, a contractor. Kate could have like I don't know went to cosmetology school, started a even maybe even not going to vocational school, but like started her own cleaning company, like something that you know what I mean, like a business that she could run and like run successfully, like. I think if they had worked really hard, they could have lived, like, a decent middle-class life. Mm-hmm. They just would have had to work 
really hard for it. And they wouldn't be, like, getting hammered online all the time. Yeah. Um, like, I just don't think realistically, like, on what planet was Kate going to college? I don't know. I, what about Amber? What, realistically, from this episode one, if you want to see her best case scenario, what would you have had Amber do? <laughs> um, that I don't know, because... Uh, you know she's already a drug addict. Yeah, I know she... I mean, I would have had Amber go to treatment. And like, like a long term, like a one year long mom. Okay, so they have some like mommy and me treatment centers where you. Oh, really? Yeah, and you go and you like live with your child, and they basically like teach you how to be an adult and a mother, and like you have a little, not an apartment, but like a little room. And like I've known quite a few women who have gone to these, mm-hmm. and they like really. So like I had one sponsor once who went to one, and the rule was like you were never allowed to leave the room without the baby ever, um, sure. and. Because part of that was just, like, instilling, like, you cannot, even if you're just, like, running to check your laundry, like, you were never supposed to leave the baby. Even though in real life, you would leave the baby. Like, the baby be asleep, you go. Yeah, but I'm sure if the baby was asleep, I don't know, but this is, like, how she explained it to me. So, like, you basically had to learn that, like, you always had to take care of your baby. Yeah, if you're going to a meeting, take care of your baby. If you're going, like... Exactly. So I would have liked Amber to go to like a year long, the first like 60 days is intensive inpatient. And then you transition to like the, the intensive outpatient, but you get a job, but you still have your baby. You know what I mean? Like you're living in a sober house with a baby, like a mommy and me sober house. Exactly. So I would have liked to see Amber. I think going to that would have been, I don't know if it would have necessarily worked, but I think it would have, I think that poor Amber, not only does she have her drug addictions, obviously, and her mental health issues, I think she just, it's very sad for me to watch this episode because she has no clue how to parent. Uh, and she's telling the doctor, I think about Leah all day long. I can't sleep without putting my hand on her. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, is that what she wants to hear? Is that why you're saying that? Because I don't think that's what it is. I think you hope Leah like sleeps a lot and you could just like get away from her. Which is not... No, but I don't know, because remember, she her baby sister died of SIDS. Oh, so maybe... Okay, I see that. But when I see that, I don't mean that she's, like, a bad mom. I'm not saying that she... I mean, like, you're overwhelmed, and you're like, I hope she plays with that toy for four hours. Yeah. Yeah, I think that Amber... I think it's incredibly sad that Amber had not only no skills for being an adult. Like, I think Amber lacked a lot of basic life skills, how to talk to other people, how to work a job, how to okay. keep a clean home, how to cook, how to, you know, like these basic, basic life skills that like, I might not be a good cook, but like, I can make myself some food. I know how, I've kind of always just known how to clean. You know what I mean? Like my mom made me do chores when I was little and like, I know how to keep a clean home. I've always had a clean home. Like, you know what I, like, I don't think Amber had the basic life tools and then to add parenting onto that is, it was devastating for her. It was really devastating. That house looked like her room did in her mom's house. (laughs) Yeah. And I think a year long intensive mommy and me rehab type of facility would have really gone a long way for them. Okay. So, and we talked about fair. We thought fair if, she made all the right decisions at this point. We thought she could do well in corporate America. Yeah, some- I think Farrah was always leaving that town, but I think she would have gotten as far as Fort Lauderdale and stayed there. Yeah. Um, maybe not corporate America. If she really did want to do this restaurant thing, I could see her being a general manager at a nice, maybe like a hotel. Yeah, or, okay. 
you know, like work, but working and working hard. And I wouldn't have been surprised if she um, left Sophia in Iowa and lived in Florida full time. Okay. And it's hard to talk about Macy this way because people think Macy has made it. Yeah. She made all the right decisions, but I don't think she did. I mean, we all make mistakes. Um, Macy always worked. She had a radio show, so she kind of, I want to say she had a podcast before all of them had podcasts. It was like a college radio show. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, it's weird. And she did talk about being a teen mom on there. Yeah, um, I think that Macy's always been very smart about her brand. And she was the first of the teen mom girls to parlay her being on the show into other opportunities almost immediately. She was with that candies foundation. She was getting flown to colleges to give speeches. Um, I think I've always thought that's why she was mad at Farah and didn't want to be on the show with Farah because she was very mad at Farah for calling it backdoor teen mom. When, yeah, but I think that she was really mad about it being so associated with teen mom because that was her brand. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think that Macy, Ideally, I think like my most ideal version of Macy would have been that she actually like went and got her four-year degree at college and like actually stuck it out because I think she could have and I think it would have benefited her. And then I think kind of basically gone the same path as the having the marketing company that she has, whatever it actually does. I'm not sure. Um, but I, I don't know. Do I think Macy lives like a life that I would want? Not necessarily. But do I think that she lives the best case scenario for being 16 and pregnant? Like, yeah. And I also, I think the thing with Macy, she'd be living in a smaller house, of course, and she probably wouldn't have Taylor because I wouldn't have met. But I think her life would look really similar. Someone like Taylor. Someone like Taylor, who's playing stepdad, who's playing dad to Bentley. They have a couple more kids. They live in a house that's closer to the first house that they lived in together. Remember, mm-hmm. and they would have lived in that house forever, and they would have been comfortably middle class. You know, they have like decent cars, a decent house. Like they're not super rich, but they're doing fine. He would have worked construction, maybe owned his own construction business. She'd be doing her marketing thing. I really think her life would look pretty similarly, and I think a part of that is that she does kind of come from a culture of teen moms that then grow up and live like normal lives. Okay. Does that make, do you know what I mean by normal? Yeah. I know what you mean. Like you wouldn't be surprised to find out that Macy's mom was a teen mom. She was, she had her brother when she was 18, I think. Yeah. Okay. So one last question before we go, because I I really think we're done. Um, We've been on the phone for like four hours. Um, (laughs) Do you think Macy's that shirt company makes money? Mm, that's a good question. I think that it probably does okay. But they couldn't live off of it. They, I doubt they could. Well, no, I don't think they could live off of it. I think it's like a nice, it's probably what they use to like fund their big vacation every year. <laughs> like, because okay. I mean, it's expensive to go on vacation with five people. Um, I know. Uh, I, I think that it is what I really think it is, princess, I think that that's Taylor spending money. <laughs> so she's like, oh yeah, the, it, it made, I don't know, $5,000. So yeah, go ahead and buy that thing on your truck. Exactly. It pays for, uh, maybe they belong to a country club so they can golf. You think they, they you golf. think they see, I, I, 
can't see Macy Gawkin, but you think they belong to a country club? Yeah, where else do you go off? I don't know. It's like not like a chic country club. Like there are a lot of country clubs that you can get in if you just pay the dues. And like you go to the pool and like not like not like a waspy country club. I'm a poor person. I hear country (laughs) club and I think no Jews or black people alive. That's the first thing I think when I hear country club. No, they don't belong to one of those country clubs. They belong to one of those a country club that's like it's like nice, but it's more of like like a pool club, like a swim club that has a golf course and like maybe has a restaurant. But it's not like you would go there and be like, this isn't very chic. Like this isn't what I like I've worked at one where you they I'm imagining they belong to like a place this place that I worked at where it's like anybody can join as long as you can pay, you know, the entrance fee. It's not it's not exclusive to get into and so maybe they I think I've seen Taylor golfing. So you know what? You're right. You're probably absolutely right. Yeah, because then you want tea time. So that's where you put, like, so maybe his, it funds, like, the country club, their yearly vacation. Like, they're extras. Okay. That hole in the ground where they made that trampoline. That hole in the ground where they made that trampoline. Maybe that came right out of the TTM money. But do I think it makes, like, a sustainable living? Like, no. I bet it costs a lot to run. Yeah, you're right. I bet okay. it high overhead. All right. I don't mean to take over your show, but I'm about to do my outro. Hey, guys. <laughs> I have a podcast. It's called Spelling Tea. Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. Awesome. It's a Patreon-only uh, podcast. And basically what I do is I ingest Tori Spelling content and I spell a podcast. And did you like how I was rambling here and how I just started talking about Kathy Griffin and then I started asking Liz about fucking ADHD like it was relevant? That's pretty much what I do on my podcast. So if you want to listen to that, you can follow me at Spelling Tea Pod on Instagram and, I, and I'll let you know when I put up new episodes and where to subscribe on Patreon. I'm also in the middle of a development of a new podcast. It's called Buy Pumpkin and it is a kind of a reality rewind podcast except I'm only going to rewind shows that I care about Love that are influential to me and not necessarily to the world. Like we're going to start with, with the first season of Flavor of Love. I'm going to swing on over to Celebrity Rehab at some point because I found out that the pilot for it, they paid Steven Adler $500 to come to this house and film him getting high. And he was so like in a bad place that he was like, yeah, bring the $500. And they just sat around talking to him and they sold the pilot to that, um, that uh, show based on that film footage. And I'm really like, that was influential to me. That was, I feel like it set the course for um, a lot of these family boot camp things on WeTV and things. It, it, it set the course for a lot of things. So yeah, I'm going to be talking about shows like that. So if you want to hear me talk about season one of the bad girls club, like you want to get in on this. So <laughs> just follow me at I'm Princess Jones on Twitter and Instagram. And I'll let you guys know when that one's ready. Finish baking up. And that's it. You know what sure I was thinking about today? Uh, Celebrity Fit Club. <gasps> Remember when they had Kevin Federline? And <laughs> what and I was thinking was, Jackson on it? was Chaz Bono on there? Is Chastity or Chaz? Yes. No. As Chaz. Okay. Is Chaz Bono the Bono the first trans celeb that we all just like transitioned to using his preferred pronouns and names? Like I've known Janet Mock for a long time, but she was not like no, but not like yeah that we knew as 
you know, the gender they were born as, and then we collectively, like... Just were like, okay, chess. Okay. Yeah. Can you... I, I do want to... This reminds me of the fact that when Bruce Jenner let us know that he she was Caitlyn Jenner, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, call you Kate. I got it. But I realized I was so fucking petty because earlier that year, little Bow Wow had asked us to call him Shad, and I was like, no, fuck you. Your little Bow Wow till you die. And... I'm such a petty fucking person that I refuse to call that man Shad. Shad yes. Moss? Yeah, I refuse to call him that. I, I just won't. Uh. But Chaz? Yeah. Chaz, I get it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Kate? Yep. Cool. Oh. Chad? No. Sorry. No, sorry. Um, look, I don't disagree with you. I'm also somebody that, like, will call you by the name of the character that you played on TV for the rest of your life. Be, and I'm the reason that you can't get a new job after your long-running series is over. <laughs> yeah, I'm the reason. I'm the same. A lot of people are unemployed because of me because I'm just like, oh, look at that person that I used to watch as a child, and that's just going to be their name for the rest of my life. Yeah, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head, but I, I definitely I did. That. I was thinking of Chachi from, uh, <laughs> from – I was thinking of Scott Baio yeah. because I was just looking up Scott Baio for something. He's a Republican, Scott- right? He's very conservative. He says the only reason he hasn't worked in the last two years is because people hate Trump. Good. Like, what were you going to be on, Scott? Nothing. <laughs> what were you going to be on? Last man standing? I don't know. <laughs> All right, princess. I love you very much. Thank you for coming Thanks. on my podcast. Um, like I said, next week, expect another throwback. I'll announce it on my Instagram. And then I'll be back in two weeks with a new, with new Teen Mom. All right, awesome. Bye. Bye. This has been an episode of Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Executive producers Molly McAleer and Liz Bentley. Produced by Nicole Matthews. Special thanks to Sarah DiGiovanna for our logo. Head on over to our Patreon page for more rewards www.patreon.com slash ebpsychos